Hello, and welcome back to the Ark of E podcast. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. And we're the Blanchard Brothers. Back with you uh, to do a little catching up. Some much needed catching up. We've been uh, rocking out the 2x2 retro reviews. That's about all we've been able to do on a consistent basis. But uh, if you did listen to the last one, thank you very much. That was Color of Night and Mulholland Drive. Yes. And it was it was a good one. I'm in the midst of listening back to it myself. Oh. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Uh, that was the end of our erotic thrillers run. So end of this episode, we will announce uh, the polls are closing. Soon. So nobody can hear this in real time, but... We do have a poll up on Facebook currently, and we'll check in with it at the end of this episode. Got to remember to do that. Indeed. And we'll announce the 2x2 uh, the two two for September, and then you and I are going to bank that rather quickly. Yes. Because I've got a lot of stuff going on end of this month and the beginning of next. Yes. And we have got to start prepping October 2021, and we're going to get in the mood this week because right. we're going to talk about two recent horror releases. Uh, as well as the mountain of what we've been watching in the interim. So I figured we open with the new stuff. We hit those two up front. What if we, no, what if we do like a, a little more in-depth on one of them? Oh, for sure, because I don't out. have much to say about the other one of well, the two well, that the, we just talked about. Whichever, whichever one we have the least amount on, which I think we're in agreement here, we do up front a little bit more in-depth, and then we can string along maybe like some TV new stuff we'll do the new stuff or maybe we do like the rewatches and then we gear into more new stuff and then we bank bookend it with the one we want to talk about a little bit more in depth okay you know just kind of switch it up a little whore at the front whore at the back get a little right. taste a little of har- the spooky season october sandwich october pre-october sandwich yeah all right served a la carte i could have called it that but i you know i already did the artwork because i was trying to get ahead on this one because okay. i've got to do some uh some bending not breaking editing oh. for uh, the gifts of imperfection edition. I don't know if people are listening to that. That's uh, the fantastic Mr. Ben Pruitt solo, but he's had a lot of guests recently. Hmm. He's going through uh, Brene Brown's The Gifts of Imperfection through hmm. the lens of Avatar while they're prepping their fourth season, hmm. which will be excuse me fifth season, oh. which will be season two of The Legend of Korra. It is coming uh, if you're if you're patiently waiting for it but ben's over there doing cool stuff i've been editing those episodes for him so i gotta do that tonight after we finish recording get him up and then we'll probably follow shortly thereafter yeah okay i'll leave the polls up long enough for people to at least hear this and go look they probably already know what it is right now so you don't so you don't want to announce at the end of the episode no we can't announce but that way anybody who when they hear it, they're like oh and then they go and find it i got and then we've got time okay so all right so you you said you wanted to start with the one we don't have much to say about up front, right? Okay, we both watched *Malignant*. Yes, the latest HBO Max Warner Brothers release. We kind of made a habit of covering. I think we've covered in some capacity almost all of them. Is there? We definitely skipped *In the Heights*. Yes, um, which I think a lot of people did. Right. Still have not gotten to it. Not heard it was great. It's two and a half hours long, and it's a musical, and musicals are normally not my bag, even though I am going to tell you about one that I absolutely adored this year uh, when we get to that section of the show. Okay. But anyways, Malignant is the latest from James Wan. Yes. The maestro behind the original Saw, Mm -hmm. uh, the original Conjuring, the first two, actually? I think so, yeah. Yes. Um, And a Fast and Furious theme. 
Fast 7, one of the better ones. Yeah. And we talked about Fast, uh, the Fast franchise recently. One of our more popular episodes. Shocker. People like hearing those movies discussed. Yeah. No matter who's talking about it. Doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't matter at all. Uh, They're universal, Noah. Huge recommend to you. I, I'm sure I told you about this at some point, but the current season of Newcomers, which is normally Nicole Byer and Lauren Lapkus. Uh, Lauren Lapkus just had a baby, so this season is the Fast franchise, mm-hmm. but it's... Nicole Byer and John Gabris, who yeah. again is like, he's like your brother from another mother. He's a hundred percent like the podcaster you want to be. Okay, trust me. You just need to you need to listen to a okay. little bit of Gabris. You would absolutely love him. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll do that. Um, yeah, he's like who you've modeled yourself off of, but you don't even know it. You just, I feel like you're gonna, or maybe you're gonna take it as a huge insult that I hyped him up this way. Well, I mean. When did he start podcasting? A while ago. Okay. Quite a while ago. So if I've never heard him, but I am I made a style. I mean, he literally has like four or five different podcasts. So again, I'm shocked you haven't just randomly stumbled across him. I'll probably hear point. the voice and, and be he, like, I know he, that guy. He guests on stuff constantly. Oh, I'm sure I've probably heard him before. His, his main show, like his thing, mm-hmm. is called High and Mighty. Literally the logo looks like a synthwave album cover mm-hmm. of a guy, of a rather large guy with a beard mm-hmm. and a headband mm-hmm. and and shades on and it's just i mean okay it's totally your vibe okay you should check him out maybe i'll i'll hit him up and be like my brother said you're my vibe bro you want to can we dude he would love that language too because that's that's how he talks okay ironically but sometimes not ironically yeah keep you him guessing check out newcomers okay check it out on the way home we'll do give it a shot Okay. Anyways, malignant. I see. I'm avoiding talking about it because I really don't have that much to say. Other, do you know than, why, Noel? What's that? Because for a movie called Malignant, it was pretty benign. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting all day. I've been so, saving that one all day. Veronica and I went to a nice, nice lunch the other night. Mm-hmm. Late, late lunch, early dinner. That's what they call at a place called Neon Tiger, which I have to take you to at some point. Okay, I think I've told you about it. Where's it at? It's on, it's on King Street, but like not part of the bullshit. Okay. It's like you you know where the alley is. Yeah. You know how that kind of used to be the end of like oh this is the cool end of right. King Street away from everything. Mm-hmm. Well, a little bit further down from that, there's a new plaza that's just been built in the last like two years, um, and it's got a couple different restaurants in it. But Neon Tiger, awesome place, killer pizza. I know you like a good pizza. What? Check this out. You go in, it's like you walked in to, like, you know, Technoir or something, dude. It's it's all neon on the inside. It looks like a fucking nightclub. There's, like, vaporwave kind of artwork, like, on the walls. Um, what time and they, they only, or they stay open until, like, 2 a.m., I think. Oh, I'm going but, when I leave here. <laughs> they might still be open tonight. We'll see. I don't know how open they, or how Monday. late they stay open on the weeknights. But, okay. Um, and all they play is synthwave, bro. Like okay. the whole time. Okay, done. Next time, and I'm they have in a town. crazy cocktail menu. Okay, great beers, etc. Next time I'm in town overnight, some of the best food I've we had have to recently. do that. Anyways, we went out for. This is really long winded. On that drive, we list. Now I forget where I was going with all of this. You and Veronica were out. Yes. But it transitions off of what you just said, and now I lost the thread. And this is important. What but were you just malignant being benign? 
That's the last thing I said. For a movie being named Malignant, it's a pretty benign film. I got it. I got okay. it back. On the drive there, we're in a good mood. We're getting hyped up. I've been there once before. I haven't been able to take her yet. So it was, we were excited. Mm-hmm. Listen to a little Missy Elliott. Yeah. Gossip folks. Of course. And <laughs> the ludicrous verse comes in and he gets to the, she's like, what did he say? I said, he said, I've got a headache and it's not, not a, a tumor. tumor. Okay. She's like, and I was laughing at it, of course. And she was like, what is that? And I was like, it's kindergarten cop. I was like, have we still not watched kindergarten cop? <laughs> but anyways, you went with the benign joke, which was brilliant. Yeah. Um, but I was going to do a, it's not a tumor yeah. joke. But then I remembered that whole thing. Great I mean, song. It just, great day, great restaurant. Going to take you there. Is that you're just bringing all this up to not have to talk about malignant, right? So I just don't. I I was super. I was super amped. I yes. should say that going in because Agreed. I had heard from all the like promo material and everything. This was his like he's he's moving away from the Conjuring space. It's a new uh, a subgenre of horror that he hasn't tackled yet, and it was pitched at. This is how it was pitched initially, mm-hmm. and some of the early artwork. I was like, I'm so here for this Mm -hmm. was this was his take on the a giallo movie so he was trying to do like 70s italian horror and i'm like okay that excites me and the early dude the early stuff was just a black glove with like the the golden um knife the the award that gets fashioned into a deadly weapon and it's just you're just seeing this black like leather black glove and everything and like it's really moody and shit and i was like all right oh dude i'm interested okay so i got really excited and the early trailers like the first full-length trailer i was like okay this is not Mm-mm. like the vibe but maybe in the movie right it expands into that sort of stuff and so that was my main kind of disappointment with it overall was that's what i thought i was getting and i felt like it didn't deliver on that at all Mm-hmm. That being said, I think, as with all of his movies, it does have some fantastic like camera work yeah. and some ingenuity to it. It's very creative. Yes. I do respect the fact that it, it's a pretty original horror concept. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the execution is like fully there. I do, I do like him sometimes sticking to the thing of like, Horror has always been a genre of like unknowns, right? And like it allows you to kind of buy into the characters more. And like people sometimes they get pigeonholed and they end up like staying in the genre or whatever. But sometimes it's a launching pad for like people moving on to other stuff. I feel like that doesn't happen as much anymore, right? People starting in horror that then like graduate, but you don't have your Jamie Lee Curtises anymore. I don't feel like that all of a sudden become giant movie stars independent of the genre can't think of the last like no i really honestly i can't because how long have we been talking about uh like michael monroe from yeah it follows and the guest where we were like oh clearly boom she's gonna be in everything now and like you know no not really but it's like she should be like what the hell i'd even go as far as like mary elizabeth winstead because she was in she's the the third i feel like and like she's just now getting it took her yeah a while for people to like realize like no she's one of the best of her generation like Give yeah. her more to do. And now she's kind of, I feel like, getting, I'm sure she's enjoying it, 
and people seem to like her in those roles. But I feel like she's getting like super into the action heroine thing yeah, yeah. where I'm like, I love her as like a badass, but like she can't do other stuff. So I would, I'd like to see one of those movies where she right. gets to like stretch her wings a little bit more. But I do love how committed she is to doing like cool genre shit. And again, Birds of Prey was a really good movie and she was like completely stole the show. Oh, of course. Um, out from under everybody. Okay. I but, just yeah. How did you feel about it? I, I over overall, I was like, it it had its moments, uh, but the acting let me down a bit, and the screenplay overall, um, I I didn't think it all fully came together, and I never found it genuinely scary. I thought it had some good atmosphere here and there, but uh, yeah, not not fully, definitely no. not my vibe. But I respect. I I tell you this though. I feel like I was more entertained, and this is people are going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? I feel like I was more in, entertained and engaged, even though I did kind of check out in the back half of this movie, even when it gets like pretty wild and some of the twisty shit towards the end. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would say I had more fun watching this than The Conjuring. Yeah. Um, definitely The Conjuring from this year, but I would say even the original Conjuring, which again, I controversially... Do, and I think you agree with me, we're, like, pretty down on that movie. Like, the fact that that became a huge grocer and, right. like, essentially spawned, like, you know, a bazillion. And I, like, for instance, I think Insidious, his other one, is far superior to The Conjuring. Way better movie. Insidious is and the I one with still, the guy, the, the weird, the long-haired, creepy, the kind of, like, di- yeah, yeah, the yeah, red-faced that's, that's, yeah. yeah, that's got some good shit in it. Um, well, like... But we... I think we both would agree. His best movie is Death Sentence. Yeah, of it course. It still is to this day. Yeah. Best thing he's ever done. Mm-hmm. Give me another one of those, James Wan. And we're not Columbia homers here. We're not like, oh, it's just because <laughs> it was in Columbia. Right. But it's because you felt, to me, Death Sentence, you feel the low-budget vibe. But if you didn't live in Columbia, because I didn't at the time, I wouldn't have known that that was... Columbia, yeah, because no. it looks like every city USA, and I love the way that they use yeah, what they're allowed like to do. It looks like it's like Detroit or something, yeah. which I think it's supposed to be. It, it totally yeah, it could be literally be anywhere. Yeah. The thing with this, and it's, I it's this weird thing where like I, I associate. We, should, we well, can no. say spoilers up front, yeah. But I feel like anybody who was going to watch this already watched it this weekend, right? And it didn't. I saw some article earlier today where it was like. The numbers on this compared to the third conjuring for HBO Max are like way down. Basically trying to be like James Wan left the conjuring and like look what happened with his new project. And I'm like, well, conjuring has that built in fan base of people who were gonna watch right. it anyways and had a bunch of big hype behind it and it's like it was still a pretty big hit in the theater, even being simultaneous on HBO Max. This one clearly like you know the box office is I see. I I think right I now, think man. you hold it's it. So weird. You hold it for another month, and maybe you get a nice boom because it is October. Like more people may be inclined to do that. I and I think this one would presumably they'll keep it in, and I think it will have legs if it does extend into October. I'm shocked they released it this early in September. Well, I would have probably, said like last week in September. They probably know that once Halloween Kills comes out, it's over. Like don't try and release another horror movie because that's going to take the cake. Well, very smartly, Last Night in Soho, I think, is like two weeks later. Right. As, and it's Halloween weekend. Is it? Is when you get Last Night in Soho. Is that a horror movie? We're not quite sure yet. 
Isn't it, it based off a book? No. No. And it's original screenplay as far as I know. By who? Edgar Wright. Oh, okay. You haven't seen the trailer for it? I saw it was up. I didn't look at it. Um, um, no, it's very... It, maybe possibly more in the psychological thriller right. zone. That's, and that's but, what I'm, I'm trying to get to with this. But is like with I, his trailer, and I don't know that he said this outright, that looks like he's playing with like 60s Italian horror, mm-hmm. even though it's set in London and shit. Sorry to cut you off. But that looks like what I thought Malignant was supposed to be. Right. So I'm so much more amped for it. And it's Edgar Wright, who, again, the track record has not made a mediocre movie ever. Right. They're all fucking great. So Even when half of your cast makes it one of them unwatchable, they're still good movies. Yeah. yeah. Even when your most popular film is essentially unwatchable. Yeah. Um, but the other ones are so fucking good. Yeah. So, But, like, so my... I have a thing where maybe I I put misguided like opinions into what I see with stuff because anytime like I see a bunch of cops get murdered on screen, I'm like, you like you like Terminator. Like Terminator was your jam. Okay. Because that's the first one I can think of where there's just an, an outrageous number of cops just getting blown away inside a police station specifically. Right. Right. So, like, when that scene comes up in the movie, I'm just like, what are, what are we doing here? What is this? This doesn't serve anything. I get now that if it's trying to be, like, wild, crazy Italian horror, that's fine. But there's something about the movie that is, I don't know, and maybe I'm trying to read too much into it because I'm just wired that way from being all the classes and stuff and not being able just to enjoy stuff for what it is. But I'm wondering... Why if, if, are you are you see? It seems like you're trying to go crazy and outrageous, but like at certain points, I'm like, do you know if you're trying to go crazy outrageous? Or are you just going with like whatever you feel is good because you think? Because there's certain parts in there, I'm like, I feel like they genuinely have control of the atmosphere. They know what they're doing. They know when to hit music cues. They know when jump scares are going to get you. They know when subtle things are going to get you, as opposed to the jump scares on screen and i don't know if it's just me personally but i've been really spoiled of late of really good ambiance really good mise-en-scene really good just energy from movies because i was having to talk with somebody today about how like you look at something like you mentioned it follows that premise is ridiculous and you know but the the thing that is following them is not one specific thing. It's multiple things. And it is just simply doing what it's supposed to do. There is no hidden backstory. There's no whatever it is. And the supernatural element of it is not so wild that it's it's completely believable in what it is. And I didn't know from the start if this was supposed to be supernatural, if it was supposed to be something with her. Well, and it's it ends up kind of being a hybrid, which right. is, which I dug about it. And as much as I was like, I like that we're getting away from ghosts that go bump in the night, mm-hmm. like poltergeisty type shit, and you're making it like a supernatural slasher essentially. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of Wes Craveny, right? Sort of. I can dig it, but. I mean, the, I thought oh, it was going to be like the the thing itself was not part of her. It was like a physical cancer that got cut out in the opening. Right. Which opening was crazy. I love the opening. 
it was all wild. It was all over the place. It yeah. had that weird, like, House on Haunted Hill feeling, but also, like, some kind of crazy, good, like... Good pull, actually. Yeah. It has you a know? very early 2000s, yeah. like, revved up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also the same kind of cut and play with, like, a like a Halloween 4 opening of, like, we're going this, you know, hospital setting, crazy shit. It's just, it's all over the place. And I can appreciate that. But then when you ultimately tell me what oh, it is... When they when they show you the thing behind the curtain and she's calling it Gabriel or whatever, and you see that one brief shot of it and it's just like, it's clearly, okay, that's a creature of some kind. Right. I laughed with glee. I was so excited. I was like, thank God it's something fucking weird and like practical and gooey and just strange. Like, and they're not showing it to me. And Veronica's like, Oh, do you think that's stupid? I was like, no, that has me so excited. Like so pumped. And ultimately it does involve like some cgi and it gets like progressively more and more over the top like like you're saying i also was like yeah go nuts go crazy the it falls prey to what i feel like a lot the my problem with like big studio horror in general and i feel like this is probably going to be an issue with halloween kills and it well in advance of seeing it i want to get back to a place like the 70s and a lot of 80s are where it's like, just do it. Don't explain, like, you don't have to explain the motivations of everything and, like, everything has to, like, tie together. Mm-hmm. You can flow on mood and vibe. That's why Last Night in Soho has me so excited because the early reviews of this are either people loved it or they fucking hated it. And the people that hated it, the complaints are that it's underwritten and the story is, or, and the story is incoherent, which to me sounds like, a David Lynch movie. It's a, and I've heard comparisons to Mulholland Drive. Okay. And I'm like, if he's playing around with like dream lot, which if you watch the trailer, I'm like, if he's playing around with like dream logic and identity and nostalgia, because it takes place in two different time periods and she's like mm-hmm. entering into the sixties and her dreams and shit. I don't know if you've, yeah, know the basic premise, but, and then it goes nightmarish essentially. And I'm like, if that, if that is more of the vibe of movies of that era, which just like, they didn't tell you everything. They weren't concerned with like it providing a clean backstory. The one, the voice of Gabriel, Gabriel in this movie, it reminded me a bit. And I, I kind of dug this about it, but it gave me a little bit of a black Christmas vibe. Yeah. And I was like, I, I mean, that's an all timer for me. That's in my top five favorite horror movies of all time. Um, and I love that voice and the creepiness and the commitment to it. And I liked that, like, okay, if you're going to give this guy a voice, like, I'm, I'm digging, like, this is what a cancerous tumor would sound like, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, but, yeah, so, again, there's there's beats here and there that I was like, I, I dig this, but it just, the, the sum of its parts... That not not really that much. There I think if you I think if you anchored it and maybe I'm, maybe there's somebody in there that's a big deal and I just don't know it because I haven't seen it. I, I don't you, believe so. If I, you anchor it with someone I know, not the lead, but maybe like a cop or the mother or her sister, someone that I know, I can look at. Like one of the women from like Glow as the sister, yeah, and then I one of like a I cop from somewhere else. There was any again reliability and the again. These the actors aren't bad because I give I'm giving the the benefit of the doubt. The screenplay is like there's material in it that's like if you don't sell these lines the right way, they come off as like cheesy or mm-hmm. overly expository and just like, you know, oh nobody really talks like this. Like 
the heavy-handed exposition with the husband in the opening of just like, you know, your babies are going to, my babies are going to keep dying inside you and blah, 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 like implying that's happened before. And then they're mm-hmm. immediately like, you know, you see the abusive relationship come mm-hmm. out. And it's like, we really need to like get this across. And I'm like, why is this movie an hour and 51 minutes? Like, right. what, again, the only time to me that your horror movie should extend past an hour 40 tops is if you are reaching for something greater thematically or something epic in scale like dr sleep like the empty man like like midsomar like hereditary and jaws is still like under 220 right it's like a clean two hours i think i thought it was just a little change but yeah Mm -hmm. yeah no i mean exorcist like right on the dot i'm saying if you're if you if you got more to communicate, yeah. And then we're going to talk about a movie here at the end that I weirdly felt the reverse about. Normally you tell me 90-minute movie, and I'm like, fuck, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for making a tight 90-minute movie. And in the case of the movie we're going to talk about here at the end, uh, you felt I just I wanted so much more. Oh, too. Me too. So much more. Trust me. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But anyways, Malignant, it's free on HBO Max. Yeah. That's always a plus. Mm-hmm. It will only extend into the first week of October. Mm-hmm. So my thing is, if you were on the fence about it, I do think it's worth checking out when you're in the October spirit. When right. you're ready to start just crushing horror movies, good, bad, or indifferent. But also, if you don't have, if you have HBO Max, do it that first week. Don't pay for it. Right. Like, we haven't really talked about this. We kind of mentioned it somewhat. But like from now on with stuff on HBO, I kind of want to do like a you know pay for it, don't pay for it, because there were some like Judas and the Black Messiah when that came to like Prime and it was like free to like yeah pay money to rent it. I would have rented it again, even though now it's back on HBO Max. Well, let's you want to talk about the slate? We can do yeah. that because kind of a looking forward to and you and I can plan a little bit because this will all be. Yeah. October's a pretty crowded month. Yeah, for movies, uh, not all of which are horror related. But, yeah, let's take a look at the HBO lineup for the rest of the year and movies in general. I mean, we'll this do, will we kind can of do be a big... most anticipated of fall, but we don't have time to do a whole episode on that. Right. Because we're... We can totally do that, like, November 1st. Okay. What we got really left This the coming year. Friday, mm-hmm. we get Cry Macho. Yeah. Okay. The latest Eastwood, which I'm going to watch. Of course. And we'll see how it is. And then in theaters, Eyes of Tammy Faye. Have you seen the trailer for that? No. Jessica Chastain <laughs> and Andrew Garfield Ooh. as Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. That'll be fun. It looks great. And it's directed by Michael Showalter, if I'm not mistaken, from mm. the state in what American Summer fame. Same day. Dude, this is all on Friday. Okay. Crowded. Have you seen the trailer for Prisoners of the Ghost Land? No. Don't okay. know what that's about. I would show it to you here. You can show me after we on episode, but I'm going to give you the basic premise. It's Escape from New York, essentially, but set post-apocalyptic. It's 48 hours instead of 24, and you got to go rescue a daughter of somebody. The person sending our hero on the mission is played by the great Bill Mosley. What? And the person going on the mission. 
Mr. Mandy himself, Nicholas Cage. Are you shitting me? Look at the poster for this shit. Are and you fucking gonna... shitting me? Prisoners of the Ghostland. Check it out. Click on that poster if you want to make it bigger. Oh my god. A notorious criminal must break an evil curse in order to rescue an abducted girl who has mysteriously disappeared. Please tell me direct... Okay, that's fine. It's not Pano... It's not Panos Kamaskos, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, where's that play? That'll be on VOD. What? This Friday. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. We will definitely be talking about that one. Yeah. In the if future. you're uh, if you're renting, you gotta let me know because I'm gonna watch this oh, shit. Oh, one hundred percent. Um, cop shop, which seems like garbage crime that you. Would I love. would love it, dude. I'm waiting. I've been ready for that one. You've we saw seen the trailer. Grillo, yeah, Gerard Butler. Yeah. The great Toby Huss. Yes. Uh, yeah. This seems right up. Gavin's Alley. Perfect and Alley. Do you yeah. know uh, You know who directed this one? Who? I didn't realize this until just now, and I went from, like, mildly excited to, I definitely will watch this with you this weekend <laughs> as well. Joe Carnahan. Yeah, Old yeah. Old friend Joe no, Carnahan. No, because I turned to Bex in the theater, and I was like, well, it's nice to see Joe's out of jail and back <laughs> working again, and she was like, what? What was, was the like, problem with him again? Like, was it, like, marijuana or something? I don't know. We should look that up. I don't think he did anything, like, too terrible. But I don't think it was, yeah, I don't think it was anything too crazy. Love um, that A-Team movie, and Narc remains one of the most gritty, intense, like, modern crime movies I've ever seen. Modern crime cop, dirty yeah. cop movies. Incredible Ray Liotta performance. We don't talk about that anymore. Remember when he just like absolutely crushed Narc and Jason Patrick? Like, mm-hmm. also kind of did his best work post post Rush and Lost Boys. Okay, I'm gonna skip through a couple. Next big HBO Max. The Many Saints of Newark, which is the Sopranos prequel, drops October 1st. Okay. But we, you said there's some you're going to, you're debating at home or in the theater. I'm going to the theater for this one, 100%. I'm not watching. I, I will go watch it once in the theater and then be able to watch it for the rest of the month kind of thing. So that's October 1st, and then the next big HBO one is Dune, which again I want to see in the theater so it doesn't really matter to me that it's at home. What are you looking at? Wait, did I talk to you about Boss Level earlier this year with Frank Grillo? That was Joe yes, Carnahan too. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I didn't realize that when I watched it either. Okay. That's wild. Uh, and then November you got King Richard yeah. Venus and Serena. Dude, I'm very excited for that one. Will Smith looks incredible in it. Um, what else? What else? What else? Oh, and then you you texted me about it. Matrix Resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. What What are your thoughts? Because, of, of course, again, also going to be on HBO Max. Same day. December 22nd. But there's no way we don't go see this in the theater. Oh, no, you have to. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we can come home and watch it again and again and again and again. Take it all month. apart. I haven't been this jazzed by a trailer since Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. I, I don't know how I don't else know to what, say it. I don't know why people are having any sort of negative reaction to it. Oh, I haven't. I haven't been 
I haven't looked at any of the discourse. I just watched the trailer like 10 times main... on my phone, and then I came home, and I was like, babe, we got to put it on the big screen. She was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And I was like, Resurrections. She's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, before, they made a fourth one. Yeah. Uh, I think the thing, thing, main thing I read was that it was not both of them. It's just Lana Wachowski. Right. And that Lawrence Fishburne isn't in the movie. Correct. And that they talked to him, and he was like, you'll have to talk to her. I don't know why I'm not in the movie. It is what it is. But I'm like, that's got to be some kind of misdirect. Like, he's in there somewhere. I think there's either that or they did, or maybe he doesn't want to publicly say, I'm old as shit. And I don't want to, like, I, I'm not put, I'm not the same man I was yeah. fucking 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to do all these stunts. Go get yeah. Have you seen Keanu? Keanu doesn't age. I yeah. age like crazy. Keanu may not show it in front of y'all, but his bones are aching when he's done at the end of the day. He just hides it really well. That's what I'm saying. Like, in the John Wick movies, Fishburne's just like, give me a trench coat and give me a lot of guns. And mm-hmm. I can just still do badass, but, like, I'm mm-hmm. not going to be fucking flying around on wires again. Even though you know they could do it without him doing that and of make course. it look amazing. So, no, I think there's there's something else at play here. I agree. It's a bit of trickery, but I'm also, I'm not trying to, like, get into the immediately you're just hit with like oh well, what the hell's going on man like is this are we erasing two and three are we picking up right after three are we picking up way after like because they set up the whole thing in revolutions where it's like this uh, has happened before It'll this happen goes again. around and around yeah. and like you're not the first one etc so i'm like if it's a if it's like a soft reboot slash remake of the first one that's like kind of like a legacy sequel that you but knowing the Wachowskis and like the way I've looked back on their work now that I've like reassessed it mm-hmm. if it ends up being basically a commentary on all of these re like if it's the Twin Peaks the return of blockbuster movies in that it is a metatextual document on itself and the nature of going back to things mm-hmm. and whether or not that's a good idea and like returning to themes or reclaiming themes because that's another thing I've, I have seen online is everybody's like what are they going to do about the, the whole red pill thing like it means something different now and I'm like I don't think the movie necessarily has to reckon with like the bullshit that it's like that's gone on peripherally around it Mm-mm. in the last several years but if it does and does it in like a fucking like interesting way where the whole movie ends up being a giant fuck you to those people like that would also be pretty incredible so um i'm so amped on every level every single image in that trailer is jaw-droppingly gorgeous it looks like the best looking movie i've seen in quite a while i'm so pumped and the color palette dude that's the thing that also hit me is like it doesn't look like the earlier ones no it has hints of it, but like it's, we're playing with like the full color spectrum now, almost like it's a new matrix that's a little bit brighter, a little more like, you know, shimmering and dreamlike, as opposed to like the more drab, realistic, green-toned one that they were trapped in for those first three movies. I, I'm so pumped. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited. I'm feeling. And regardless of the Morpheus and Fishburne of it all, Yaya Abdul Mateen looks incredible in this. We can talk Darian about we're gonna Moss talk about him in a minute, incredible. right? Dude, yeah, um, yeah. 
I'm so excited. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, I'm totally, I'm right there with you. I feel like maybe Fishburn shows up at some point and it's all, uh, there's some timey-wimey stuff going on. or I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I will be completely like content. Like they reset Listen, no, no, at I, the end. I would be completely content if, well, some people are like, oh, well, his character died in, in one of the games, so if they're using the, uh, a cannon, like, technically Morpheus is dead, so they could just go from that, is what it is. I'd be completely content is if, if the end of this movie, it's him, Neo, waking up, like, on the Nebuchadnezzar, and he's just like, did you find her again? Yeah, I did. Okay, cool. Do you want me to put you back in? Yeah, please. And it's just like, he just keeps going back into the Matrix because he right. can be with Trinity. And that's just where he wants to live. And he lives out his fantasy of like meeting her for the first time, knowing he's the one doing Stop all that. Stop speculating, all that. Like, dude. That'd be perfectly Stop. fine with Stop me. It. Okay. So, yeah. We're very excited. We'll obviously be covering that one in depth when we get to it. So I skipped over a bunch of movies that are coming out in October, but just focusing on the HBO slate, I think we're basically in the territory. The rest of the ones that are coming out, the big Warner Brothers releases, are all things I want to go have the theatrical experience for. Mm-hmm. This fall slash winter is has the potential to be... We talked about this inevitably happening. Like All of these things, if the release dates hold, we're just going to get like... Banger after banger, dude. If these things deliver, and you know what, here's, the way things are stacked up through the rest of the year, and I'm here's so what excited. I want to do. I want to. And this is probably not, you know, may not be in the cards, may not be something you want to do, but I'll find somebody to do it with. I want to go back and I want to look at the slate of films that came out in 2001, because I have a theory. That we've said before, and maybe maybe not so much with 20, 2011, but I have a theory that like we've talked about it so like when movies come out, what they do, what they mean. I'm wondering what the first full year in a new decade does to like what are we looking at, what are we dealing with, what are we talking about? Obviously, this one's really informed by like a global pandemic, even though some of this stuff was shot. You know, before possibly a lot mm-hmm. of things now have been shot and done during a pandemic under like, you know, guidelines and stuff like that. Right. So I'm interested to look at that as opposed to movies that were made and released before of and in the wake of 9 11 mm-hmm. on in September of 2001. Like, I'm that's kind of what I'm curious to do to see if there's any sort of common thread that maybe we were sussing out or trying to deal with back then that we still have now or if we're so still what you really want to what you more want to look at if we're looking at 20 this sounds weird but if we're looking at 2021 in relation to the pandemic then <laughs> we'd be looking at in my head 2002 in movies because it was there were so many things that were pushed or held mm-hmm. because of 9-11 in the same way that if you dial back to 99 there's a lot of things that were held till 2000 because of Columbine yeah. because people panicked and were like oh we can't release this right now um, so yeah I'm curious maybe it's 2002 you want to look at though because those are the things that were released in the wake of filmed post 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I think we could do it. Or just do that, that stretch from nine eleven through September of twenty or two thousand two. Yeah, we could do that and just play that against like twenty 2020, twenty 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 one moving into twenty twenty two. Because I saw that they did push back Top Gun yet again. We should explore that if and when yeah. we ever get out of the current global pandemic. Yes, we should. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell me <laughs> any new things or any rewatches you have? I hear it's a big fucking list. Uh, sure. I can run through the... Let's do rewatches first. It's a short list. Okay. Uh, Eastern Promises. Good one. Cronenberg, of course. Uh, Fantastic Vigo performance. Haven't watched it in a while. And that's a 2007 movie, if I'm not mistaken, which we've often talked about as one of the best years. Has he made another one yeah. since then? He made... He made the one with yeah, Pattinson, right? He made Cosmopolis, yes. Yeah. And Maps of the Stars, but after Eastern Promises, he—you haven't seen the third in the Vigo trilogy, Dangerous Method. No. With him, Keira Knightley, and Michael Fassbender, all about Freud and Carl Jung. Mm, no, I don't think. Great I Great movie, very underseen, obviously. Hmm. Um, yeah, nobody talks about that one, but that was the third Vigo collab, and they are actually in the midst of filming. Speaking of filming during a pandemic, they are filming Crimes of the Future which will star Vigo and a bunch of other Cronenberg regulars. Hmm. And it's based on one of his early shorts from like the 70s, but he's like updated it. The premise sounds absolutely insane. I cannot wait for it. It'll be out probably next year. Hmm. So look forward to that one. Uh, Rewatch Foxcatcher, because I had a weird urge to watch it, and I have it on Blu-ray. It's one of those movies I bought, and I don't really know why, Mm -hmm. because it's not like ultra rewatchable. Did you ever see Foxcatcher? I know the story. I never watched the movie. Gotcha. And I didn't which, watch any which of the docs one, or anything. Who, does, what, does Mark Ruffalo play the brother that gets killed? Or yes. is it Tatum? Ruffalo is the one that gets killed. Were you watching one. it because you were like, I don't really want to torture myself with the Ruffalo thing from HBO, but I want to watch some good Ruffalo? No. Um, okay. And he is brilliant in yeah, Foxcatcher. But heard. no. It was all because we, we rewatch Portlandia pretty regularly. Uh-huh. And there's a sketch... Uh, I believe it's the 4th of July episode where the mayor, played by Kyle McLaughlin, is trying to get fireworks last minute. And they're like illegal in Portland. I think it's a joke. Anyways. And so he has to go to this rich a guy who's actually an arms dealer. Mm-hmm. And it's played by Fred Armisen because he does a bunch of characters on the show. Right. And when he gets there, I've just, I've always taken it. And I think the time that that season was out, I was like, this is Fred Armisen basically doing... Um, John DuPont from Foxcatcher mm-hmm. with the like he has a nose prosthetic and like he's doing kind of a weird voice and everything and I was like oh this is his take on it but like anyways Fred Armisen in that episode and everything he's just like Mr. Mayor right <laughs> just shit like just his voice is, <laughs> you know, I guess wants some gist some Jesus Christ. Um, and so I had just been laughing about that and like we watched the sketch recently and I told her I was like I swear I was like have you ever seen like any of the images of Steve Carell from that movie Foxcatcher because I was like I swear to God that's like what he's going for huh. in the sketch but like an exaggerated ridiculous version of it so I brought it up then I go searching through my collection I couldn't find it it was one of those I was like I was in the mood to watch it couldn't find it found it a few days later when I was looking for something else and then put it in a stack and eventually I was just like alright Tonight's the night. I'm going to rewatch this movie. And it's one of those, as soon as I finished it, I was like, 
all right, yeah, definitely never going to watch that one again. Great movie, but just not not a fun watch. No. Super heavy, very intense, but also darkly weird and in all the right ways where it's like those kind of like uncomfortable laughs where you're like, this is fucking wild. I remember watching it with Colin. Um, I saw it in theaters. I watched it once with Colin and then I bought it on Blu-ray. But he and I watching it, like, when you get to the midsection where, like, Steve Carell and Channing Tatum are, like, doing coke in a helicopter on the way to, like, an awards ceremony. And, like, you're starting to see, like, the weirder side of the John DuPont character. Mm-hmm. It just gets so fucking wild. And then you, like, hard cut to a little further in their relationship and it's so much weirder. And, like, that those things are the things that, like, kept people... Like, I saw it in a theater, and people were just like, what the fuck is this movie? Like, completely not into it, and I was just, like, glued to the screen. But, yeah, it's not one that I will go back to anytime soon, so I kind of regret buying it in the first place. But I watched Foxcatcher. Okay. Um, the the guys over on Blank Check, my favorite, personal favorite movie podcast um, of the many, many that I listen to, they're covering John Carpenter currently mm-hmm. it's been a great miniseries thus far so i'm doing a little bit of a watch along not all of them but i did rewatch assault on precinct 13 a classic um <laughs> shocker uh i, I rewatched mulholland drive why would i do that i uh, don't know i don't even know uh followed it up with inland empire oh. which you be careful or i'll make you do it one of these <laughs> days uh and then after that, uh, Escape from New York. And they just did The Thing recently, but I'm saving The Thing for October, yeah, as usual. Uh, so yeah, there, next week will be Christine. Hmm. If you, you should listen, dude. Their, their Thing episode, just props, dude. Okay. Great shit. Great shit. You would love it. They also did like three hours on Halloween with uh, Alex Ross Perry, the director. It's good. It's a good show. Hmm. You would like it, but you need to listen to Gabrus before anything else. You got any rewatches for me? Okay, I rewatched uh, Twenty Eight Weeks Later. Word. Uh, Raiders Is that on HBO Max right now. I believe so. Okay. Raiders. So you're you're going full into horror, like I'm I'm having to hold myself over. You're you're tidying yourself. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Small portions, drips and drabs. Yeah. Raiders, The Lost Ark. Okay. Um, Weirdly, I started but did not finish Temple of Doom. You know, that's why I didn't have it on my list of rewatches. That's probably why when I came back in, it was like it was on at a weird time. Like it was, was in the middle it on Netflix. Huh? Do you sometimes just click on my Netflix profile? Like you don't bother no, going not over yours? Your... Okay. I go through. I have Bex's Netflix. Oh, okay. But I came in and Temple of Doom was weirdly at a weird spot on. Maybe you Prime. fell asleep and it. it no, I played. was watching it on Prime. That, okay, You're yeah, right. that's why. You're yeah. Right. Yeah, because that, that I thought that would explain it. You should have said no. I'm Netflix. You should have doubled down on Netflix and creeped me out. I'm like, well, okay. what the hell? No, you're right. It was on Prime. Um, Reno nine one one the movie. Mm-hmm. We watched that. Just saw it was on HBO Max. I was like, I'm gonna put it on. It's a, always a good time. Great stuff. Um, uh, okay, don't judge me, but I definitely watched every single Pirates of the Caribbean movie that's available on on HBO or uh, Disney Plus. Because, technically, the fifth one with Javier Bardem, I didn't see in the theater. Oh, I haven't seen four or five. Right. There's only five, right? Right. On Stranger Tides and Dead Men Tell No Tales. 
On Stranger Tides is not on Disney Plus, from what I can see. I haven't been able to find it. It's just the more recent one. I don't know if there's a different producer or something where they can't put that in. Maybe it's not a Gore Bravinsky movie. Mm. Don't know. No, Disney Plus just does that shit. Yeah, where some they stuff have, where yeah. they're like, hey, this isn't available for like another 300 and something days, but it's in our library technically. You can yeah. save it and we'll let you know when you can watch it. Because why wouldn't you but just no, make that a collection? That's five movies. That's a nice another collection they can make up. Well, you think because, they would. Because they probably have a deal with somebody else or they're like, hey, screw it. They'll be watching the series and then they'll be like, oh, there's one missing. I got to go jump over to Amazon or I got to go buy the Blu-ray or I got to go do this or that. And Disney's getting a little cut off of that. Yeah, that's true. So I did I watch Black Pearl, Damage Chest, At World's End. And then technically it's a new watch, but uh, uh, Dead Men Tell No Tells, Javier Bardem is the bad guy. I'll put it to anybody. This is just my personal opinion. I've said this about multiple people. There's like five guys right now that if they did a movie of theirs every two years i'd go watch no problem i say that and then i also just said well i didn't see the most recent one in theaters it's also came out 2017 i've been busy but i've always said if mike myers made an awesome powers movie every two years i go see it tom cruise does make a mission impossible movie every two years and i go see those and if johnny depp wanted to just do this for the rest of his life for the next two years i'd go see him i will watch them they're a fun time I can get past all the other bullshit with him, and I enjoy the shit out of it. You know, it's just a it's just a weird thing. Partly, I did listen to, I don't know about that with Jim Jeffries, and he talked about pirates, and that kind of piqued my curiosity because he had an expert on. I don't know if you ever listened to that show, but that's the whole deal: is they have a topic, they bring the guest on, he tries to figure out who they are. When they figure out what they're talking about, they ask him a bunch of questions, see what he knows, oh. they rate him about it. It's He's pretty fucking... Just to be able to listen to him do new comedy is fucking hilarious. It'd be like Jim Jeffries. You should check it out. Um, so I went back and just was like, oh, Pirates. Let me see. Let's just, I'm going to start from the beginning. And it was just like, okay. And it was just kind of neat to see, like, okay, this first one they maybe didn't know. You could tell, like, they've been trying to get it made for, for, for a while. And then it's like, it's a fucking success. The next one is just overblown with mm-hmm. huge special effects. And then... Again, I've only seen On Stranger Tides one time. That's the fourth one with, uh, what's his face? You're asking the wrong guy. Blackbeard. He's in, he, Mr. He's in the John Wick movies. Oh, Ian McShane? Yes, yeah. I've only seen that one once. I saw that in theaters, and I have it on Blu-ray. I just didn't, I couldn't find it to, to watch it, so I just skipped next to Javier Bardem, who, he's... A little bit better than Bill Nye, in my opinion, when it comes to villains. So, you got that going for you. I mean, all good actors you're talking about there. But, yeah, yeah I give the edge to Bardem. I do love Ian McShane, though, dude. Deadwood. Yeah. yeah. Um, is he Teddy Bess in uh, Sexy Beast? I forget. Oh, and the last rewatch I have is just a, a tiny little Aaron Norris movie called Sidekicks. Okay. Now available on, each, on uh, Amazon Prime. Yes, if you're a Prime user and you've never seen Sidekicks, go watch it. Because I have a sneaking suspicion that that's going to end up being a retro review before the end of the year is over. <laughs> oh, a thousand percent. Ninjas November? <laughs> we've already talked We've already talked Surf Ninjas on here once. Yeah, but you know what we haven't done? Three Ninjas. Goddamn right, Gavin. Three Would Ninjas, you... X Sidekicks? Yeah. Which which three ninjas? OG? 
Well, strike back, kick back, kick, kick back. back, knuckles up. Knuckles do, up is the Indian reservation. Yes, I. You know the <laughs> listen. You know the story with that, right? We don't have to. No, no. We, we can explain it right now. now. One in three were shot back to back. The second movie, Kickback, is actually the third one. They shot that third. The it, Japan one. Right. That's why the actors who play Rocky and Colt Rocky is different. Because the third kid that was the young, he didn't come back. So why the, did we just watch him in the wrong order? No, they were they released were, that way. Why? Because Kickback has a second, like a, a feel of a second title one. There's never really, I, don't, I haven't been able to do my deep dive research on this. I got a guy working on it. I pay him about you know ten bucks every couple of months to find more my some more stuff on it, but um, I can't figure out why that they didn't release you know Knuckles Up after Three Ninjas, but it was Three Ninjas, Three Ninjas Kickback, Three Ninjas Knuckles Up, and then High Noon at Meg Mountain, which I've still never seen. Never seen that. I've seen three three minutes of that. I movie. checked out on Terry Hogan a long time ago. Yeah, get your shit together, bro. It's, 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 uh, it's Terry Bollea. Hulk Hogan and Terry Bollea are two different people now. Well, I like to smush them together. There you go. Because who cares? It's probably because there's a lot of he's, thunder in paradise when you do that. He's nanny, and he always will be. Okay, that's it on my rewatches. You got any more? No, no, that's all my rewatches. That was fun, though. Ninja's November is definitely happening, though. We're already setting it in stone. Yeah. So we figured that one out. We'll let you know about September here in a bit. And October... I know what I want to do. I'm sure you do. We're going to break the rule. Uh-oh. We're going to break the 10-year rule. Uh-oh. I'm just going to fucking announce it here. It's going to be the battle of the director's cuts. Okay. The three-hour cut of Midsommar versus the three-hour cut of Dr. Sleep. I haven't watched either one of them. They've been sitting on my shelf for a fucking year. We haven't talked about any of those really that in-depth, have we? We talked about it so more. A little I bit. mean, I did a full two-hour episode with Mayfield, and then you and I talked about it separate of that. But neither one of us has seen the director's cut. Yeah, let's just. And call neither for that. one let's of us has it. seen the director's cut of Doctor Sleep either. Yeah. I would imagine. And we'll we'll have our own honorable mentions for good director's cuts to check out to each other, yeah. just to you know add filler because it it's not gonna be like a three-hour episode or anything, is it? I mean, come on. I mean, the, yeah, that's the joke. You could. Yeah, I know. I was thinking it needs to be six hours. because yes. we need three, three hours, hours to talk about movie. each yeah. movie. Right. Obviously. Yeah. It's going to be the most epic two-by-two, two-part ever. But maybe we do one new and one classic, and th- that those are our October specials. We do a classic pairing, and we do a new director's cut face-off. Yeah. We'll talk about the classic pairing. We'll let people vote on that one. Of course. That's what we'll do. All right. Did you check out... I'm going to... Let's talk TV. Yeah. Dude, let's talk TV. Nobody's listening. Yeah, Don't worry about let's it. Let's do it. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. Who cares? Okay. Uh, this is a monster list. Just stop me if you're curious. I finished part one of Masters of the Universe on Netflix. And started. And no interest from Kevin. Nope. It was good. I enjoyed it. It's Dolph Lundgren in it? Two. No. I'm not watching. It's an animation. Are you familiar? Did they animate him to look like Dolph Lundgren? <laughs> no. Not Looks watching. like the classic show. Okay. Uh, Cho Show, which I believe I mentioned to you at some point. Long time ago. I have finished it. It's four episodes. We finished it a while ago. Again, it's been a while since we recorded. It's four episodes on FX on Hulu. It's brilliant. Dave, season two. Motherfucker. You and I haven't talked on mic about it, Straight up fucking masterpiece. It's brilliant. It's one of my top three favorite shows of the year. Yeah. 
totally i mean i love the first season this is a whole other level it was one of those it was a finale that made me reflect back on the entirety of the season and i basically was like yeah chuck this i was that's all you said (laughs) yeah chuck yeah i was like this felt like this was all building here and there are very few shows um that make me cry from joy yes not from sadness yes and the last like 10 minutes of that episode oh my dude was just i was bawling my eyes out with pure elation yes and a thousand percent the very final moment spoiler alert for day of season two if you haven't watched it it's a brilliant show it's so good it's so funny brilliantly textured very layered and the kind of layers that like you you don't even so you can go through an episode and be like oh it was fucking it was fun and then you reflect on it a little bit and you're like are they that was actually fucking brilliant there. yeah yeah um but anyway spoiler alert skip ahead like 30 seconds the moment towards the end where you think he's about to go out for the performance and you see you see Gator in the dark and you assume it's him about to watch the performance mm-hmm. like from a TV somewhere right. like he's in his house or whatever oh dude the mystery and he's, that. And he's he's crying you see him tear up and the reveal that he's actually below the stage and he's about to be flumped up there and the whole crazy insane setup which that whole scene earlier in that episode where they run through the show he was going to do yes that was so like brilliant in and of itself yes but the reveal that like no we scrapped all of that wrote a new song on the spot and it's about how this is my best friend and we're fucking boys and we're there for each other and, and we good. All, yeah, we good. And yeah, as soon as he shot out of there and you revealed that like he's part of the performance, I just like was bawling. Dude, me and lost dude, it. Dude. That that was like that was one that like I I don't think I've told you this on mic. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't. That was one where I was like, hey, I was talking to Beck. I was like, just watch like two two episodes of this. If you don't laugh, if it's not funny, I'm not going to ask you to go any further. And in the first sitting, we got all the way through the first season where Gata <laughs> explains, like, I have, you know, bipolar. Mm-hmm. To the point that, because, like, she kills TV shows like nobody else. I think I got back to my apartment. And, like, the next day, she's like, okay, I'm all caught up. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah. And I was like, okay. And we watched the, no, no. It was right after Chuck had come out. (laughs) And so I was like, have you, she's like, I'm all caught up. I'm going to start season one or season two. And I was like, when you get to Chuck, let me know what you think. (laughs) And she was just like, I don't fucking know what that was, but it was hilarious. I couldn't believe they actually did what they were doing. That was that's wild. And since the... then, like I have changed her name in my phone to Yeah Chuck, <laughs> and that is all we call. Like we do that shit at work. Oh she will call me, and if I know it's her, I'm like, Hey Chuck, <laughs> and she's like, Hey Chuck, to the point that like my tellers have been like, Who the fuck is Chuck? And I'm like, Have you guys watched Dave? No, I was like, Watch Dave, and then let me know when you come back. Get back to me, and they're like, Huh? I, and I don't explain it. I don't tell them what it is. And apparently, on her end of the phone. People have done the same thing. Like, who the hell is Chuck? And it's just weird because, like, that's her dad's name. But it's still like it's. We've done it in front of him, and he's kind of been like, and we're like, it's a show. Sorry, we can't. We can't like turn it off. But pound for pound, dude, like one of the best shows. Absolutely. Like this year, I'm I'm struggling to come up with stuff. I think I'm. 
we're kind of gearing into October. I've got some things that, but I'm also as we're gearing into it, I am getting into like the what full on seasons have I watched of stuff. I am trying to always kind of formulate an end of the year list. Oh, I can't. I just have a list running at all times. Yeah. Well, to the point that like so this, we this weekend, this. mom was like, I think I just need to start writing down what I watch because sometimes I forget like, what I see. You and I'm think? Like, like, mom, yeah, you do. No one I have lists. Yeah. And we're young mom, and we remember you everything. You should also record a podcast after you watch everything and we'll make you an internet just, just superstar. Put some, yeah, just put some notes, you know, a little voice note. That'd be fine. Okay. It's just, it's wild to me looking at this list, this amount of stuff that you and I have not talked about on mic to my knowledge. Yeah. You watch the Northwater, right? Oh my God, yeah. It's up there. It's up there. I have it ranked below Dave. Me too. I agree. But I, you know what? Screw it. It's not the end of the year, but I'll give you a little preview. I, I'm curious myself where I have things sitting right now. Okay. Oh, I have Dave season two at the number two slot. Okay. My number one is the Underground Railroad. That shit's not going to change. I started If it. anything even I started tops, the first two episodes. If anything even comes to close it. to topping that show, I'll be shocked. My number three, I'll give you my top five. My number three, Cobra Kai season three. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> then I got the North Water, which we're about to talk about right now. <clears throat> and you know what? I won't spoil my number five. Don't don't worry about it. you got to so, save some drama for the end of the year. The North Water. Yeah. AMC, it's available on AMC+. Plus. It's a BBC co-pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if Amazon still has this special, but for a bit you could do a ninety-nine cent month of uh, AMC Plus. I and think then Bex if you got it if you never subscribe to it, you do have a free trial instantly, uh, regardless. She did whatever she did because apparently she was coming back in to finish up Walking Dead stuff, and it was over with. And I was like, oh yeah, that was only for like a month. And she's like, damn it! So she oh, just broke gotcha. down and bought it for another month. And it's only it's pretty cheap. It's like four four bucks, four ninety-nine or something yeah. like that. Per month. Do we still have Shutter as a part of everything? I reactivate it every October, but no, it's not active right now. Okay, I'm just making I'll sure. I'll turn it on. Um, well, AMC Plus has Shutter attached to it, right? Because she, yeah, right? she has it in her thing. Like, Shutter stuff is in there. But I was talking with Perk this weekend, and I asked him, he was like, I was thinking about Shutter, and I was like, dude, you should, because, like, it has something like, and I don't know if it's part of Shutter, if it's Amazon Prime, but I was like, Remember Joe Bob Briggs' show in the 90s? He was like, yeah, I was like, that is on either Shudder or AMC or Prime. I don't remember. I, th- I thought it was a part of Shudder. It's through Shudder, yeah. Yeah, I was like, but like, I would not know this unless I clicked on it. I said, I got, I was just curious. I clicked on it and realized inside <clears throat> that one little clip of it, there's like 40 movies, dude. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, it's like his show from the 90s where you would like have commercial breaks on TNT, you know? And it's just Joe Bob's last you know, motion picture show or last drive-in show. Last whatever picture show, I think. Yeah. And it's like, I was like, dude, Cannibal Holocaust is in or there. Or Joe Bob's last drive-in. Or yeah, something. something like that. I was like, I said, Silver Bullet's in there, Cannibal Holocaust, all these great horror movies. And all you got to deal with is that he's going to sit there and tell you shit you probably don't know about the movie anyway. And give you a little commentary. His mailbag girl, uh, what's her face? Uh, Are they unedited? Yeah. Okay. No, that's full on, like whatever it, that's the beauty of it it's you don't have to deal with you know fcc censor ratings of like right. you can't show this and that you and can he show, can say whatever he wants in yeah exactly i watched this i think i told you last year i watched right. the society i would have never known that that okay. I, I knew that was one i need to get to because a lot of like ranker lists talked about like hey this one's kind of up there we're, we're kind of talking about it again with the other themes that are going on now with like the rich and the poor and it's like oh okay 
wild. So, yeah, I recommend Shudder to anybody. And I hope you turn it back on. This has been... I, I will. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah. We're talking about the North Water, though. Yes, the North Which Water. is on AMC+, Plus, which yes. we both watched. It's a five-part miniseries, limited series, whatever you want to call it. Starring Colin Farrell, Jack O'Connell, Stephen Graham, a couple other people. And it's one of the best things I've seen all year. Yeah. It's uh, set in the mid-1800s, and it's about a bunch of dudes on a whaling vessel uh, in the Antarctic. And the evil that men do, I don't know. It's about a, a lot of layered themes of masculinity, um, different perspectives on life, the world, religion, etc. It's, it's, it's fucking great. What what are you searching for? What are you looking at? Is speak Antarctica wait, it aren't they they're in the north, like up near Norway, right? Coming up out of England. They're going they're heading north. I thought they were headed up towards the Antarctic. But like the Antarctic is below Australia. Okay, excuse me. So they're in the North Water. Okay. Yeah, so they're like um, it's I'm the sure nor- that's what I learned from the title of the show. So it's the they're Arctic, like up near Norway. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It looked really cold. Yeah, it no. It's really realistic as well. I don't want to spoil too much where the plot goes, but uh, Jack O'Connell's fantastic in it. Colin Farrell is doing like next level shit. I believe you said Ray Coro times 10. Well, I said that initially when I was selling you on the show, but mm-hmm. with the full breadth of the performance, the only thing I can compare it to, and I'm not saying it's like, Oh, it's the same level, but the only thing I can compare that character and the tone of the performance is Daniel Day-Lewis and fucking There Will Be Blood. Yeah. Daniel Plainview and Henry Drax are like definitely... um, Kindred spirits, definitely. Kindred spirits, for sure. And Colin Farrell does some of his absolute best work of his career, and and Jack O'Connell for that matter. I thought he was phenomenal. Um but yeah, it's like five hours long. It's brilliant. Great shit. Not for the faint of heart. Very like ground and realistic. And heavy, dour. Like We're selling it as that. Not a whole lot of whaling. Not a really but big But the thing. whaling they do show. I was like, how did they film this? Right. Like, how did they shoot this? And they shot so much of it like practically and on location. Like, there's not... It reads as so real. Like there's, I mean, mm-hmm. there's clearly there's CG augmentation here and there for certain things, but like just a seamless production. It felt like you were watching a giant long form movie. Right. It did. It felt like straight up cinema. It did not feel like what you would think something like this from like, I don't know, the BBC like 20 years ago would feel like. Right. You know, super modern and very, very cinematic. Okay. So we both love the North Water. Yes. You watched The White Lotus? I did. Enjoyed it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's one of the more talked about shows of the summer for, on HBO. Uh, yeah, really good. Super well written. Uh, love pretty much anything Mike White puts his hands on. Um, great cast. Great to see Steve, Steve Zahn. Just killing it again. Jennifer Coolidge, brilliant. Everybody really top of their game. Great stuff. Um one thing I will say, because I feel like everybody's seen it that wants to see it, and everybody it's had great word of mouth. It got like more and more popular as it went on throughout the season. 
Uh, but one thing I will say, if you have HBO Max and you were already watching that and you enjoyed The White Lotus, I would recommend that you go watch Enlightened, Mike White's previous HBO show from about 10 years ago, starring the incomparable Laura Dern. Hmm. Um, one of my favorite shows in recent memory. I like, I mean, I loved the white Lotus and enlightened is way better than the white Lotus. Hmm. So, uh, only got two seasons. It was one of those that was canceled prematurely, but Laura Dern, um, Luke Wilson, I think I know Diane Ladd comes in. Yeah. It's so good. Like, yeah. What a great show. Hmm. So yeah, go watch enlightened. If you enjoyed white Lotus, highly recommend it. Uh, I'm just gonna keep going if you're if you're not gonna stop me. I mean, I'll wait uh, to Veronica you. and I watched uh, Glow Up. That's the makeup show on Netflix. It's in its third season. It's a makeup competition show. Super fun. Ultra feel good. Like not like your typical reality show where, oh, there's drama between the contestants and shit like that. Like mm-hmm. it's not that vibe. It's more just like you get to see crazy ass cool makeup. And oh like, yeah. They do. There's always a competition each episode but then they have like a separate prompt that they have to do but there's stuff where it's like they'll go work on a tv set for like the crown or peaky blinders or something and they have to like compete to get a chance to possibly work on the show right like that it's uh it's very fun very good show but yeah we finished that that was good brand new cherry flavor did you even take a look at this one nope i feel like it kind of came and went from the netflix top 10 Short-lived up there. This is one of the strangest and wildest shows I've seen in a while. And, you know, they get accused of, like, basically making things that sound like they were generated by an algorithm. Mm-hmm. What the algorithm eventually spat out is something. Is This is... I feel like this is the way to sell it to you. This is Stranger Things for... 80s and 90s indie cinema. Okay? What's this about? I'm I'm building to it. But this is a this may be attractive to you or not. This is a swirl of David Lynch and Cronenberg. Mm-hmm. Now it's nowhere near as good as Toyd Peaks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and it only scratches the surface of like the thematics of Cronenberg. But it is deeply in love with those as its guidepost in the same way that Stranger Things is. It's Spielberg. It's Carpenter. It's, you know, maybe Toby Hooper, whatever you want to throw in there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's definitely Stuart Gordon with season three of uh, Stranger Things. A lot lot more visceral stuff. But so brand new cherry flavor. Rosa Salazar, who you may remember from Alita Battle Angel. Mm -hmm. Okay. She was Alita. And she was in a great show on Amazon called Undone from two years ago. I don't know if you watched it. Also very good. She plays a character named Lisa Nova. She's an aspiring director in sun-drenched but seamy world of 1990s Los Angeles. Okay. Hmm. And she embarks on a mind-altering journey of supernatural revenge that gets nightmarishly out of control. Basically, she comes to town after filming a short that gets her a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. And she gets commissioned to basically take her short and make it into a feature. <clears throat> she subsequently gets fucked over by a producer mm-hmm. who tries to like steal her film out from under her. Her film, 
excuse me. Um, <laughs> and so, to get her revenge, she seeks the counsel and the assistance of essentially a witch, played by Catherine Keener, who hmm. puts a curse on this producer. Hmm. But it's, you should check it out. Dude, there's some Gregor Aki in there as well. Really? It's very early 90s, like, indie cinema, but with, again, a heavy bent towards Lynch and Cronenberg. But it is very much its own thing, too. Again, just scratching the surface of those two itches, if you will, is enough for me to, like, we, we loved it, we finished it. It takes some wild twists and turns. Maybe it doesn't all hang together, but... It's just vibes, man, and I appreciate how bold and fucking weird it is. It is one of the strangest shows that's been on Netflix. Definitely stands out for sheer originality. I highly recommend it to people, and if you're looking for something that's horror-tinged, even though it's not outright horror, this is a great play for October, honestly. Okay. There are creepy vibes in it. There are things with it, like images that will fuck you up sort of thing, but it's a lot of fun. Again, weird as hell, but if you're down for stuff like it, and you'll know by the end of the first episode whether you want to watch more or not. But uh, Well, that's what you said about Invincible, so I'll, I'll highly recommend. It. And it's, uh, yeah, I'll say it again because it is a very oddly named show, and I feel like a lot of people will be like, what the hell is that, and just completely move past it. Uh, but yeah, it's brand new cherry flavor hmm. on Netflix. Huge recommend from me and Veronica. Okay. Just for the record. Uh, Pen15, one of our favorite shows, came back with an animated special that they made during lockdown. It's called Jacuzzi. It's a straight-up 10 out of 10. It's one of my favorite things of the year. It's not a full season. It's a single episode, but it's brilliant. Love Pen15. Glad to have a, a little bit of it back. Are you watching Reservation Dogs? Yes, except for the one that came out today. I haven't watched it yet. New on Mondays. Oh, yeah, I guess I haven't watched either. Okay. So the last one you saw was where they go hunting? Hey. Oh, that's the last one hey, you saw. Hey, hey. Yeah, that's the, mo- the most recent one. No, 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 no. No, no, Yeah, they do go hunting. You're right. She takes the dad out. They go hunting and, like, the... They see the forest the t- creature that may or may not be her brother. Yeah. Yes? Yeah, yeah, that's the last one I watched. Okay. Same here. I was I just talking there's... to mom about the the Redbone episode to Which try is to get fantastic her to watch it. as well. Yeah, Zane McLaren. From... Everyone yeah. is the mate. Like that show is perfect, dude. I so the first episode I was like, okay, it's weird, interesting, different. I'm digging it or whatever. And it's one of those that just kind of snuck up on me, and then all of a sudden I'm like, four or five episodes into it, and I'm like, I fucking love all these characters. I love the vibe of all of this, right? And that has just compounded with every subsequent episode. Um, perfect balance of like heart and humor and the, the there's just so many tiny little moments dude where I'm just like I, yeah. it's just unlike any other show on TV right now I fucking love it yeah and it like it has these touchstones of like things we're familiar with but it is 100% its own vibe and wavelength and I love like how unique it is it's one of my favorite things on right now yeah it's I think we got two more left for the season I think it's only eight episodes but We'll definitely be talking about it again at of the course, end of the year. Uh, one of the strongest things I've seen. FX just killing it, dude. 
Yeah. I haven't even started Why the Last Man, which just dropped three and episodes I, yeah, to And I love off. that, like, we've been talking about that for, like, ten years. That was supposed yeah, to be a show. Yeah, and it's finally out, and it's yeah. just here, and there's three of them available right yeah. now. Yeah. Might check that out after you leave, if I have time. Uh, what if... Yeah. I think I'm up to date. What if zombies? I think that was the last one. Yeah, that was, yeah. the last one. For me, so far... It's been very up and down. I, I wasn't crazy about the opener. I loved the second one, obviously. I cried like a bitch. Oh, me too, dude. When And the zombies one too. I was just like, God damn, just hearing his yeah. voice again, man. But God. But that second episode as being like the major tribute to him and everything, when Rooker has the moment of like, Yeah, it doesn't matter like what time or place or wherever you ended up, like you were always gonna be you, you're always gonna be like this beacon of goodness and like hope and like doing the right thing. I just literally, yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. broke down. Uh, I love and I that love, one fucked me up in a good way. And was like high, me, high bar to the point where I'm like, I see why they didn't open with it, right? Because every other episode would have felt like, what the hell are we doing here? But I also was like, but damn, dude, right second episode, like they fucking threw it down, like holy shit! I was like, that should have been like the season finale. My favorite, but, my favorite yeah. bit from that was the. Uh, the when they're all finally back in Wakanda, and it's like that, my friend, sounds like genocide. Yeah, but it's efficient. <laughs> like it would work. The idea and the idea that um, Diamond Hansu's character fangirls, fangirls yes. out over. Oh my God, you're Star Lord! Right. Because it's like that's the reaction Peter Quill wanted, and of he course, doesn't get yeah. it. And then of course, the thing I love about it is that Jeffrey Wright at the end is always just kind of like, "This is a nice thing you're watching." But it it doom. It's just all fucking doom. It doesn't matter. Right. These these things you're watching, these little vignettes I'm showing you, they have nothing to do with anything else. Don't try and harp on it. Don't stay with it because at the end of the day, it's all gonna like it's all gonna crumble in front of you. Like ending that one with it this you know, if ego were to come back and find his son on earth, it would probably mean destruction for all. Okay, we're good. And then, you know, when you get to the next one with uh Oh, I can't even remember what the next one was. Uh, Stephen Strange losing his. I think it was the fourth one. The third one would have been. It was what if the Avengers all died essentially, Hank Pym, which yeah. I was like, no, no, no. The yeah. Hank Pym one was the most recent episode. No, no. Hank, Hank Pym Hank, was responsible for the zombies. Hank Pym was the reason why they all died. He was inside of the needle that killed Tony Stark. He was inside the thing that killed the Hulk when his wife was killed as Maybe a shield I agent. About that. Yeah. There's, there are actually some weird continuity going on yeah. through these, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I think over for me personally, they've been up and down. I am a little disappointed with just how like handcuffed they are to the movies, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. How close they like where it's like you're altering just these tiny little elements. But, like, you're almost keeping huge sections of dialogue the same. Right. It's just, I don't know. It's some of the stuff that is, like, straight-up recreation of moments from the film franchise is a little, I don't know. I'm a little just kind of indifferent towards where I'm, like, I thought the whole point of this show was to, like, do wild, crazy shit with the established characters. And I feel like that's why why the second one is really good. Exactly. Because it hits that bar. To me, the evil... Uh, Doctor Strange one is very good as well. Yes. That's my other like 
good one. So, and I enjoyed the zombies one, but yeah. to me, it's been a little up and down. The opening one with um, the flip Carter. of Peggy and Steve, like I enjoyed it, but it was so like close to right. how the first adventure plays out in so many scenes where it's just like, but so what's the point of this? I don't know. Right. I do like the animation. Um, I'm enjoying it, and I'm watching it every week. I just like. Yeah, I think the next one. It's definitely my least. Huh? I think the next one has. I've been waiting for the Killmonger meets Tony Stark episode. That's that's, the other one I think has the potential to be very, very good. What we do in the Shadow Season Three is back. They're three deep. It's as great as it ever was. Um. And I watched the premiere last night, actually. Of Scenes from a Marriage, the new HBO limited series. It's a new, it's not a remake, a new reimagining of the Bergman uh, series from the 70s. Mm-hmm. The TV movie, if you will. It's Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain. Well, I'm going to put it this way, and granted, I'm a sucker for this type of shit. <laughs> um heavy dramatics fantastic actors like grounded emotional relationship stuff like I, i'm usually 100 percent down for it i put this on at three last night because i didn't have to go into work till two today mm-hmm. i was up working on some music late last night but i was like oh but i have this laundry and i was like should i watch the first why the last man or should i <sighs> yeah do scenes from a marriage i throw it on at three in the morning and i am glued i'm talking glued to the TV the entire time. Now, like normally, if I start anything after three, I'm I'm gonna fade. I'm gonna pass out on the couch, and then I'll have to wake up and then take my ass up to bed. I was absolutely enthralled, dude. Just it, hundred percent up my alley. Not a not a fun watch by most people's standards. Like really heavy stuff, but just the kind of acting and performances that I just absolutely go nuts for. Where I'm like. Okay, this feels like I shouldn't be watching this. Right. Like this feels too intimate and perfect and good, and like you guys feel like you've been in an eight-year marriage or however long right. it's been, etc. Um, incredible work by both of them. Just based on the first one, there's five total. I think it's coming out every Sunday. Um, yeah. So if you need, if you're in the mood for a heavy relationship drama right now, I could not recommend it more highly. I thought the the opener was pretty incredible. My last thing I will mention. So I was trying to tie myself over until Primal Season 2 comes out. Shout out to Primal. They won Best Animated Series at the Emmys the other night. I've talked about it a bunch on here. So to tie myself over, I had started watching Samurai Jack. Rewatching, rather. Mm-hmm. But I had to put that on pause because Netflix finally announced a date for the Cowboy Bebop live action series. Oh, which I am very pumped for. They're making all the right moves in terms of like what they've released so far. There's still no trailer, but I believe it starts in November. So I was like, all right, got to go back through the, the original series. It's on Hulu right now. I own it on my PS4. Like I own the collection. So in case it's never streaming somewhere, I, I always have it. But you still haven't started JoJo's. No, nah, dude, I had to go back to Bebop. Okay. I haven't watched Bebop. In like almost twenty years, dude. Well, you like watched I watched JoJo's it. ever. No, I haven't. But <laughs> but I had to go back as a refresher, and my God, it holds up. I just what a fun show. 
completely broke my brain when I was a kid. Where I was just like, this is just the coolest shit I've ever seen. And it's still kind of doing that as an adult. I'm just like, show is just, it's just hip as shit, dude. I don't know how else to describe it. Mm-hmm. It's just so, it's just so cool. If the live action version captures even just a smidge of that, John Cho is playing Spike. Okay. I'm super, dude. Just, they have one still from it. I'll show it to you, but I'm, I'm pretty amped. Uh, but yeah, so I'm in the midst of a Bebop rewatch and I've got 10 left and I'm already upset that it's about to be over again. Yeah. I never like pro- properly rewatched it since it was originally like I was watching it when it was originally airing because that was right in the sweet spot of like I was graduating beyond Dragon Ball. Right. And I was getting more into Gundam and the adult stuff. Then I was like, what the hell is this? I, wa- I remember I watched the movie, the Cowboy Bebop movie before I had even seen any of the series and then went back to it. But uh, that's the same thing I did with Initial D. I watched stage three yeah. first, not knowing anything about it. And then I was like. We watched the everything before this, and then it all made sense. Um, so you got any TV? For so I got one series that technically it's only three episodes, but it's BBC. I watched the old school adaptation of War of the Worlds. Oh, nice! Yeah, you already talked about this on a previous episode. So are you sure your list is up to date? No, because I'm talking about I had only watched oh, one episode. Watched I other finished one. the other two. The one I haven't seen is the one that was cut off by... Are you ready to write your own um, reimagining now? Yeah. After you can see where all the pitfalls were? Mm-hmm. Okay. In my version, Corona is just stage one. Like, instead of the okay. red shit, it's coronavirus. And that's oh, yeah, what actually activates... Yeah, that activates the uh, tripods that have been here since the dawn of time. Um, but I'm going to do a Tomorrow World War switcheroo and be like oh they weren't meant to be here it was just like oh shit we lost a pair where are they oh they're on this planet titan whatever should we go get them nah it'll be fine and then the planet makes coronavirus and makes them go crazy so it's not like mars attacking us it's just like these two haywire machines okay um and the only other real tv i consider tv because i feel like if you're putting it on the emmys they would it's at least six episodes i watched uh the third Cocaine Cowboys series. Oh, the Netflix one? Yes. I figured you crushed it day one. Yeah. I didn't know it was out. No one told you? No Your one told me. Your algorithm didn't tell you? No. You I found write it them a stern, stern letter. Well, no, because I... Listen, I don't... Like, I was looking around. We were trying to find something to watch, and I saw... I was like, what is this? Is this... I was like, oh, this is the third Cocaine Cowboys. And Bex was like, oh, yeah, I watch it. It's really good, really wild. And she's like, it's a series. It's not movies. and It's not a movie. It's not a doc. And I was like, what the hell? It's six episodes? So I was just like, I told her, I was like, we'll find something else. Because I know you've watched it, but I'm going to sit here and watch this entire thing. And she said, it's good enough. I'll watch it again. I was like, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll do it on my own. So I went back to my apartment and like I, I sat with it and watched the entire thing. And oh, my God. Like, Miami's a hell of a town, though. And it just <laughs> constantly amazes me the kind of shit that that has happened there. And I think that it's just, it's so fucking wild. I knew he had been looking to do, everybody had been telling him, like, well, you got to do the Cubans. Like, you don't talk about the Cubans at all in the other two, you know, the other two movies. And they were a huge deal. And indeed they were. And, you know, I just, the way he weaves a story and that was the one thing I thought I felt about, like, with the first two documentaries was, like, I could literally watch five hours of this. Right. Why don't I have 
give me everything you have in a giant just dump of footage and talking heads and I will listen to it. That's how fascinated I am by like what's happened in this entire saga of the cocaine cowboys, so to speak. Right. So when you give me six hours and it's all nicely formatted to be like, look at this. This is crazy. Here's where they came from. This is how they got big. This is how lavish it was to like, and then the cookie crumbles and like, yeah, maybe or maybe not. This is a problem. Like just little shit. Like the idea that when they get busted, their lawyers decide we're going to put an ad in magazines asking for help for these people because they're the prosecution's witnesses, essentially putting your own hit list out in a publication that was in a lawyer's magazine that was circulated in prisons and amongst lawyers. You were basically telling people these guys are going to rat on Falc- uh, Falcone and I can't remember the uh, Maguda and um, Falcone, I think is the other guy's name. Uh, Willie and Sal, they're going to rat on these guys. So if you see these people and maybe you murder them, they might be appreciated if they loved you. Fucking wildest shit in the world. One of them getting locked up and he's got a like, do not release warrant. He gets locked up, has a ton of charges. He's already, they start to tell you about that. Like these two guys started in Miami knowing they were going to go to jail in a certain amount of time for a narcotics thing that happened like two or three years ago. So the entire time in this story, they have a charge that is pending over their head. They're going to go to prison for at some point. They just don't know when. And they do all this wild shit to the point that one of them goes to jail, getting pulled over. And like, they go back a day later. Here, he's already out. He's gone. (laughs) Yeah. Wait a minute. We had a tag on him that we don't, you don't release him. He's wanted for a federal case. He's gone. And they were literally just like hiding out in different parts of Miami or one would go to Fort (laughs) Lauderdale or one would go to fucking Tampa and no one could find them because it was the nineties and there was no GPS right? and like no facial recognition cameras on the fucking freeways and shit. It blows my fucking mind, dude. That's the craziness about anything related to that is the fact that this shit happened. It's documented. It could only happen in a movie, but it happened in real life. Right. And there are people here to tell the tale about what actually happened. That shit, I don't care what it is. You can give me all that, the craziness. And again, it it just proves that like fucking Billy Corbin loves Miami. He loves where he's from. And I can I at the end of the day I can get behind that. You live in a crazy city like that that has a crazy history. Mm-hmm. You be the his his production company, I think, is called Tour, And like you be that dude. You be the fucking storyteller. As far as I'm concerned, you don't know anything about Miami, you talk to Billy Corbin. Fucking perfect. One you heard it here first. All right. Yeah. And that's pretty much all I got for TV. Okay. Uh, jumping over to movies, I've got a couple docs. Did you watch Woodstock 99? Mm-hmm. Peace, love, and rage. <laughs> um, pretty solid doc. It's on HBO. It's going to be part of a new series that I think continues very soon. But it was the kind of the premiere one. But it's uh, produced by The Ringer Podcast Network. And they're doing a series of music-related docs. But yeah, it just looks back at the the absolute mess that was Woodstock 99 from a lot of different interesting angles. Hmm. It's a pretty by-the-numbers doc in terms of like presentation, but like it's good. It's entertaining. It's a bit of a nostalgia trip <gasps> and pretty dark at the same time. Hmm. I saw The Green Knight in theaters. One of my favorites of the year. I gotta see it. Very, very good movie. It's my fucking namesake. I gotta go. Well, there you go. Yeah. 
Gavn Ja yeah. Gavn Ja yeah. uh, I, yeah, I guess I don't want to say too much about it It, it I mean, definitely can, but, I mean, I So I saw it I saw it opening night Yeah And I definitely got the impression that The crowd that I saw it with Which was rather large More than I was expecting That they thought they were getting into The next Lord of the Rings Or Game of Thrones and that this movie is not that at the all. The story is not that at all. Um, and yeah, it our that's I mean part of the reason I was going, regardless, is the fact that we had to study it in two separate classes yeah. in high school, English and history. So, um, even with my familiarity and yours, the way that it is adapted. That's what fascinating. I, that's what I wanted to look And the at. themes that he chooses to pull out of it and how he modernizes it in some ways and stays true to the core text at the same time. It it's awesome and I hope it was a modest success financially, but it didn't cost that much to make mm-hmm. and a huge critical success even though audiences I think felt like they got burned because it's not the type of movie that they were expecting. Right. But all of that taken into account Hats off to David Lowry, a guy who I've had issues with in the past. I still stand by the fact that A Ghost Story is not a good movie. I think it is genuinely bad and one of the most pretentious things I've ever seen. I like a certain amount of pretension, and The Green Knight definitely has a certain amount of pretension. Mm-hmm. But uh, I thought it was some masterful shit, dude. Like, he he kind of showed a way for that I hope people latch on to. I hope somebody else wants to make another movie like this that is an adult fantasy film. Like, that does not hold your hand, does not spell out its grand themes, is not so beholden to lore and backstory and everything, but Mm -hmm. just, like, operates on visual storytelling and vibes and, like, thematic tension. Like... The script for this thing is probably like 15 pages long. Gotta be. You know, it's 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 a very simple story, but it's the way it's told. Mm-hmm. So good. I cannot wait for you to see it and for us to talk more about it. Yeah, no, I definitely, yeah. definitely want to. Green Knight, huge recommend. Uh, I think it's available on VOD now. Although, if it is still playing anywhere near you, my God, please try to go see it on a big screen. Totally worth it. Uh, a movie I did not see on the big screen, and not a lot of other people did either. And I'm very sad to say, The Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was great. Perfect, dude. Which I really, really enjoyed. I fucking loved it, damn. Um, and it's just, it's a fucking bummer that the shitty Suicide Squad made like $700 million, and this one like limped its way to like... I don't even know if it's clear two at this point. Release the A or cut. Huge disappointing like return for what everybody thought was going to be like a huge deal. James Gunn's directing it, but supposedly it did super well on HBO Max. I had a great time with it. I think it's probably just straight up the best DC movie of the bunch at this point. Yeah, it was such a good time. And like in between, do a full on review. Well, no, in between that, like shooting it, getting it done, and coming back before he goes to Marvel to finish three. Hey, Cena, you want to do a Peacemaker show real quick? Yeah, let's oh, yeah. do it. And we got a Peacemaker. So you have Peacemaker coming out like January. It's in the can. It's been ready to go. Like yeah. that's the, the brilliance of it. I just want to say 
I love the idea <clears throat> that Steve Agee was walking around doing the mocap, right? But they had Stallone doing the voice of Killer of King Shark, because every now and then I will look at Becky and go, "See," <laughs> or go. <laughs> the other day, no. The other day, I was walking. I was walking somewhere. Or I was taking the dog out, and she goes, "We're going, friends." <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, "No, you can't do that to me. Stop it, because it's it's just fucking ridiculous." Like, the, just him trying to fucking the disguises, the fucking like, no dumb friends. Like, it's just so. I fucking love it, dude. It's one of my favorite movies this year. I was amped the minute I saw it was coming out. And then, yeah, no, I want. It's still available in oh, HBO yeah, you Max, still, right? Yeah, I should squeeze in another viewing before you should, it's off dude. of there. Just the the that the, climax alone. That's one of my favorite. The opening like, alone, dude. I mean, all the whole the whole fucking the whole movie. movie. And then we'll fall down the rabbit hole of talking about every single aspect of it. Let's yeah. save some of it for possibly our year end list because yeah, yeah. something tells me it's going to be it will possibly be. on both of ours. Uh huh. Um. Yes, great time. Check it out on HBO Max while you still can. Um, so I th- I texted you about this one, but I don't know if you watched it or not. I rented the Safdie Brothers movie. Heaven knows what. Mm-hmm. I did text you about it. Did you watch it? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. What did you think of this one? Fucking brilliant. Okay. <laughs> like, do those sh- guys know how to make a shit film? Not that I've seen so nope. far. So I had been actively avoiding this one because you thought it was shit no 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 because the trailer for it is super intense Mm -hmm. like the trailer for it is more intense than good time or uncut gems good time is where i like became aware of them and i i i was aware of heaven knows what from the trailer for it but it looked like requiem for a dream part two i was like right i can't no. no, I was like, I don't want to watch that. I was like, it's fantastically like well received and like has great reviews, but that looks like too much. I I don't know if I want to watch that. And then in practice of actually watching it, incredibly intense movie, like all of their movies are, but like also like all of their movies are, darkly funny, like mm-hmm. pitch black comedy, and just like some of the most realistic like off-the-cuff performances you've ever seen because most of them are non-actors and they're just fucking... I mean, Like, the, the girl in this, that is her life. You're aware of that, right? Yeah, like the idea they were scouting... This. No, no, they were scouting for yeah. what will become Uncut Gems. They find her in the park and they tell her, why don't you, like, write down some of this stuff? Because it's pretty wild what you're telling us, whatever, whatever. Right. And then they go back to her and they're like, let us have what you wrote. And we're going to make a movie, and you're going to be the star of it. Is that good with you? And the idea that in my head I'm thinking, after watching the movie, when they told her that, maybe at this point, I don't know when, I don't know when this happens, maybe she, maybe the only thing in her mind was, well, I could probably fucking score a lot with whatever money they're going to give me. Yeah. And the idea that she has, what I understand, somewhat turned it around. I don't know what she's done since. I know she kind of got... A little bit of recognition for the memoir she wrote. I don't know what. Yeah, she's done. I don't know that she's done any. She may have done like one or two movies afterwards, but yeah, she's incredible in this. Like, can't yeah. take your eyes off of her. No. And then the way that like Caleb Landry Jones, a 
quote unquote professional actor like assimilates into mm-hmm. that and then like they're just local buddies that have reoccurred and stuff yeah just so grounded super and like given the subject matter again you think it would be like a chore to watch but it maintains this like perverse level of entertainment throughout the whole thing where you just like cannot take your eyes off of it great energy just again feel feels like the era of cinema that i miss the most and there's so few people like Mm -hmm. tapping into that and they are they still feel like they ascribe even with uncut gems which is like we got a we got a bigger star we got a little bit of a bigger budget it still feels like they're these scrappy guerrilla filmmakers like the you know the inheritors of the Cassavetti's legacy who are just like, mm-hmm. we're just going to go out there and fucking do it. And it's going to be intense. It's going to be raw. And it's going to be New York. Like yeah. that whole fucking, that vibe. If they can, like, don't leave. Don't. Well, dude, in the opening of Uncut Gems, when they open in like an African a diamond mine or whatever, I was like, what's going on? No, yeah, what's no, happening yeah, yeah, here? Yeah, don't yeah do no, this. don't do this. And then me, of course yeah. I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, this is like the, this is literally like, like the opening of the exorcist or something yeah. like this is like friedkin's vibe this is where like, they spent that you. little bit more money they got yeah. they spent it on this shot yeah, exactly alone, and, and that's like it. this is the friedkin thing of like i'm gonna give you like a five minute setup for something that like i don't really need to show you this but it's gonna set the tone and the vibe and it's gonna ease you into right. this yeah those guys are brilliant absolutely mm-hmm. love it so they do have one more that i think collectively you and i have not seen which is called daddy long legs which um, I'll just let you know whenever I check Yeah, out. I do. I let think that one is more of an out-and-out comedy. Um, and I think that's their first feature. But, uh, yeah. I'm glad you checked it out. We, ne- we never texted further about it. But, yeah. Well, I mean, had what, we, you know, had we the, uh, gone What I believe on. is the second Safdie Brothers movie. The right. One that, the one that, if I'm not mistaken, the story goes for good time. Robert Pattinson saw the poster didn't see it, but saw the poster for Heaven Knows What and said, I got to meet those guys. I want to work with those guys. Based off of just the image and seeing the Safdie brothers. He was like, who the fuck are those guys? Right. But I, I don't think he had seen the film yet when he contacted them about, like, let's do something. And they were like, oh, fuck. The Twilight guy wants to make, like, we could get anything greenlit if we have him. Like, we can get a budget. Mm-hmm. for our next thing if he says he'll work with us like yeah now we gotta make something right <laughs> like, right yeah um now i just want to go back and watch all of them but yeah now the only thing i wish now is that like in a shot they should go back just because this is just stupid me they should go back and retroactively put a shot in of somebody or two brothers running away from somewhere in a background shot right. of Heaven knows what. Just go back in and just splice two, just mm-hmm. literally two guys running with what looks like a bundle of money. Maybe they got <laughs> some paint on them or whatever, and they're just slightly out of frame, you know, in a establishment. I mean, they're all in the same jet. universe, but that kind of the fact that you don't see them kind of ties into that's just New York, dude. It's like we're they're just like zipping into like these little right. Stories this is like with yeah. edit, but you're not seeing, you know. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so that was. That was a good night when I finally decided, like, oh. And, of course, after the fact, I was like, oh, I would watch this again. Like, mm-hmm. this was not nearly the, like, you know, punishing chore I thought it was going to be to get through. It just, that's what I thought I was getting from the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, which, go watch that. It's very intense. No, no, trailer. I watched the trailer before yeah. I watched it. Gotcha. Uh, did you watch Val? 
Hmm? The Val Kilmer documentary? Val? I'm I don't know I don't know if I can do that, man. I recommend that you do. I don't think it'll be as tough for you as you think it'll be. Because it was either that or Heaven Knows What. And I was like, I'm going to go with Heaven Knows What right now. I mean, Val is on there forever. Yeah. I'll I'll catch it before the end of the year. But No, you will enjoy it. I'm surprised. Like, I don't know if mom has watched it yet or or dad. I I made the mistake of watching the trailer before. Because I didn't know that he has a a trach now. Oh, yeah. Dude, no. For a while now. Yeah. Which sucks. I mean, yeah, it does. So. I don't know if you know the catch of the moot because i don't think they set it up in the trailer but most of the narration you hear is his son yeah yeah uncanny dude where yeah. it's like oh just, you do sound like your dad like 20 years ago yeah so crazy. exactly as soon as i as soon as i saw the moment in the trailer where he's talking through it yeah i was like okay this is his kid talking holy shit he sounds just like him yeah, yeah. it's uh it was good i enjoyed it i went on I started to go on a bit of a conspiracy kick. I don't know if I followed through. Oh, because we lost Showtime or something in the midst of this. But I watched Three Days of the Condor mm-hmm. on HBO Max. Yeah. One of those that I've been saving as a present for myself from the 70s where I was like, I hear it's good. Sydney Pollock. It's Redford. I've never been like the biggest Redford guy, but whenever I watch him in a movie, I'm like, Dude's a fucking movie star, dude. Jeremiah Johnson, Butch Cassidy. These are ones that like I came to way late, and then when I watched them, I'm like, oh, that's why he's Robert fucking Redford. Yeah, and remember, kids, so, when you get to L.A., get yourself a nice tan, get yourself a good haircut, and then go on the auditions. Yes. That's Robert Redford's straight-up advice. That's <laughs> how he got into movies. Yeah. He got to L.A. Helps if you're a gorgeous, gorgeous man, <laughs> and you have luscious blonde locks. And a strong chin. Three Days of the Condor. Fucking great, dude. I don't know why I've waited this long to watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, slight, compl- slight complaint. Fade down away, a little underused. Everybody else, fucking top notch. Great. I, I almost almost threw it at you for a retro review. So I finished Three Days of the Condor, and I'm like, you know what else I've never seen? Also with Redford? And it's kind of the unofficial sort of pseudo sequel, Spy Game. Yeah, Tony Scott movie from the two thousands. One of the Tony Scotts I've never seen. Mm-hmm. It's on Showtime or something that we had on Prime. Mm-hmm. I go, I'm watching it. I'm I'm digging it. It's got it's it's a little little rocky, but overall, I'm like I'm digging it. I fall asleep because it's about two hours and twenty minutes long. Get up the next morning. Have go some watch breakfast. It. Go to watch it. And ask you for money, don't it? And it's the, the subscription had expired. I was like, how did I fuck that up? So I have... How do you think I felt with World of Worlds? I have not finished Spy Game, which I was enjoying. So... So was I. If you're ever at Second and Charles or whatever, and you see a little $5 Spy Game DVD, hit your boy up, because yeah. I want to finish that If movie. you've got your own copy of Spy Game and you want to send it to Noah, just uh, hit him up at the archiv at gmail.com. He'll give hey. you... A, a confidential Dropbox Thanks, brother. Um, location to send it to, and uh, we yeah, thank you in just, advance. If you know the next place it's streaming, just yeah. give me a heads up. Uh, what if, like, legit somebody listens and, like, it's in a brown bag on your door tomorrow morning? Wouldn't that be dope? That would be, I mean, that would be crazy because I don't even think I'm going to release this. Right. Tomorrow. <laughs> so When I say somebody truly, listens, I mean, like, the, the That NSA. would be terrifying. Yes. That would be, like... Uh, the opening of the box or something yeah okay 
meaning the opening of the movie, the box, not the opening. Yeah, button, button. Yeah. You, you got it. Yeah. Gavin got it. That's why we record podcasts together. I was uh, doing my slow work of actually watching some of the Criterion movies that I have in my collection that I've yet to get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched an old Jack Nicholson joint from the early 70s called Drive, he said. Oh. It's about a, a college basketball star uh, on campus during the midst of like the campus revolution phase sort of thing. And he's caught up in the heady days of the late 60s, early 70s, the Vietnam War protests. And like he's got one side of his friends who are like activists and maybe a little bit overboard. And then he's got the, the coach played by Bruce Dern who's like, no, nah, you got to. Jack Nicholson directed this. He's not in it. Right. Um, one of the few movies he directed. Interesting movie. Goes in some weird places. Um, definitely a product of its time. More of a curio than anything else. Just to be like, hey, you ever see this? Bruce Dern's fucking great in it because Bruce Dern's great and everything. Um, I would say I had just as much fun watching the like little 15 to 20 minute retrospective on the movie where they interview the cast and Nicholson about it, which mm-hmm. also incorporates clips from the movie. I was like, I feel like I got just as much out of that as I did from actually watching it, hmm. but not a bad time. Uh, interesting little, uh, little seventies new Hollywood flick. Drive, okay. He said, uh, I watch reminiscence. Did you watch this one? Yes. What did you think? Um, Be honest, brutally, Fucking honest. <laughs> uh, I mean, I get Stalling it. for time? No, no, I get it. I get it. You, 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 Your body was in flux, and it was hard for you to put on weight and take off weight and go back and forth. And I get you. you got your greatest showman. You got all this shit out of, your, out of your system. But come on back to the movies, Hugh Jackman. Let's do something. <laughs> come on. Come to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. I enjoy the premise. I love the idea that Miami is underwater because we all know that it doesn't take okay. much that like the world, that part of Florida okay. will be great. all that. I great, appreciate that. Great premise. Great premise. Agreed. Great aesthetic on the surface. Yes. I don't think they do much with it. No. It's more like, I played Bioshock once. Right. <laughs> once. One. I didn't one play time. the whole series. One I didn't time. get too invested in it, but like somebody showed it to me this one time. I was like, that looks cool. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to go all the way underwater, but I want to, I want to like, what if, what if it kind of came to earth like, a little bit? I kind of want to make a sci-fi noir, but I want to make like the most obvious version of a sci-fi noir. Okay. Here's my biggest thing. I feel like I rarely say this. Westworld. Okay. This is Lisa Joy, one half of the Westworld team. Mm-hmm. So it's her and the lesser Nolan. I'm sorry, Jonathan. I'm terribly sorry, but you are the lesser Nolan. Let's just fucking say it. Um, they do Westworld together. This is a Lisa Joy solo joint. And, dude, we could talk for an hour about the weird um, marriage dynamics, I feel like, and, like, director's envy they have because did this not feel like a parody of a Christopher Nolan movie? The way it's edited... Um, some of the shot choices. The shoehorningness the, at the end. Like trying to make it all fit for you. But did it... Did it not feel like... Nolan Light, essentially. Nolan Miami style. 
sure. in the future when it's underwater. Right. Yeah. But like a little bit, not yeah. not well executed. The other thing like I was missed say, the, excuse me. Okay. He missed the part but, where he has to tell me things. He's right. thinking like, oh well, my brother just tells everybody she, every this is all Lisa Joy. Jonathan Nolan has nothing to do with this. I was just saying she and Jonathan do Westworld together. Right. This is her solo. His notes me, on the project are, my brother tells everybody everything, and there's this kid in South Carolina who doesn't like it when he gets told everything, so just don't tell him everything. Tell him enough, but not everything, and go from there. And she just took that point and was like, thanks for the meeting, have a great day, and she ran with it the entire time. Is that what you're getting at? No, what I'm getting at is... Westworld season two and three, which are both horrible in my opinion. I've heard. If those were two hour movies, mm-hmm. maybe we're getting somewhere. Okay. In contrast, reminiscence here, again, great premise, good aesthetic, decent setup. If this was a if this was a ten episode Series? first season of something. I gotcha. How I would how much would we dig this? Yeah, yeah. If you saw trailers for this with this vibe, and it's like, oh, dude, it kind of looks like a Bioshock detective series. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Get him to f- flesh out a little bit more, a little bit more backstory, a little bit more flashbacks. Yes, because that Let's ultimately go- was my biggest thing is like... The war? What war are we talking about here? What happened? Yeah, you and Thandie Newton are war buddies. You have this whole history or like this divine romance that like changes your life that you like can't get can't get over so right. much to the point where you keep going back to this thing but we never really get to see why like you just have the one setup scene with them and all of a sudden they're banging it's like i get it like you're both super attractive but like do a little bit more work for me here it's just i don't know man it was kind of a bore at the end of the day there was like one decent action set piece but also mm-hmm. didn't think it was particularly compelling in that yeah vein uh and narration's always delicate balance, man. I know it's a trope of noir, mm-hmm. but it's also like if you're not gonna bring the thunder with it, doing it nowadays, just don't even try. And I'm not saying Hugh Jackman was bad at doing it. I'm saying it was not particularly well written. No, um, did not do it for me. Uh, yeah, not that I had huge expectations for this one. It was kind of a curiosity that I even checked it out in the first place. It was literally Honestly, because it was on HBO. and that, Yeah, that like, is literally the only reason. I would reason. have never gone to the theater for this thing. I no. can tell you that much. Again, and I'll tell you, and I'll say this as the capper on it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't rent it. So if you're going to watch it, watch it on HBO Max. Oh, right. Be, Even based on the trailer, yeah. I would not have been like, oh, yeah, I got to see this one that. at six bucks. Um, in that vein, I did, unfortunately, get roped in by what's a pretty solid trailer for Neil Blomkamp's Demonic. Uh-huh. But is I felt about the same way I did about Reminiscence. Um, some cool visuals, uh, pretty um, off the rail story, not in a fun, good way, um, and just ultimately really unsatisfying. Hmm. Uh, don't do not recommend. Wish I could say, oh, he's back, he's back, baby, but um, he can stay gone, I guess. Uh, other first timers we can talk okay i just have a few more and then we can get into our final review which we should probably do because we're about two hours deep you can do yours and then i'll do the few i have go for it oh, what you, do you, go, got? you go ahead jump no, in no, no, it's fine. <laughs> okay um i'm just gonna blow through mine I will. Go so ahead. it's fine 
Oh, okay. No, I finish, finish yours and I'll give you mine. So, I watched this movie called Color of Night. Yeah. Yeah. Never seen it before. Wow. I guess we could say that was a rewatch of mine. <laughs> sure. Uh, okay. Finally caught up with the Tomorrow War. Mm-hmm. I had had a standing dinner date with Brendan to watch this since it came out. Uh-huh. We finally did it last week. Uh-huh. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm sitting there for the first, like, half hour, 45 minutes, and I'm just like, I'm kind of over it. I'm kind of shit-talking it. I'm just like, dude, they are they are setting these things up, these white spikes. I'm like, they're talking about them so much. I'm like, there's no way they're going to deliver because there's just going to be some CG bullshit that's not scary and not intimidating, and it's just going to be whatever. And when they finally show up, Mm-hmm. That first action sequence, I immediately, like, I was talking all this shit beforehand, and I literally stopped and I said, you know what? I wrote every previous statement. As soon as they showed up on screen, I was like, those things look fucking cool as hell. It's a really cool character design. They're really well composited and composited into this. And while you're dealing with some like tropey action cliches and like the movies maybe a little less clever than it thinks it is and i got ahead of it at several points it was entertaining yes it's shit um it's a little long in the two that does not need to be that long it definitely has a moment where you're like this is the climax right right this is where this movie should end and then it keeps going for another 45 minutes right um i did tire a little bit and i did bring this up to them i'm like I like that they've established like what intimidating foes these are or whatever. And it's like, I love the, you got to shoot them in the abdomen or the throat. Like mm-hmm. all these specifics that these like shell sort of bodies and everything. I did get a little tired of the like kind of rudimentary gunplay where I'm like, okay, we've got this future tech. You guys can send people through this time warp portal. You have these crazy like armbands that attach to people, all this shit. You couldn't come up with something beyond, like, a, a submachine gun I would see in, like, a regular Call of Duty game to fight these things? Like, where's the laser blasters? Where's the, like, Gears of War buzzsaw? Like, ins- where's the Starship Troopers weaponry? Right. I wanted to see some sort of upgrade in that vein. It got a little boring just watching them, like, just just shoot these things with machine gun bullets constantly. And I... Like, th- we can't, nobody can pull out a, a grenade round or anything. Right. And I like, thought at some point they were like, oh, yeah, they, it was either that or what we made. I thought it's something, maybe I'm misremembering or misread something where it was like, we could either make a new weapon in the future to try and fight them or go back in time and get people because we are done. We are desperate for bodies. It's always like Stalingrad. Just put right. a body in front of something, and when you die, pick that weapon up and keep going. Like, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know, I one bit, I, there's like three main threads in it that I really kind of appreciated that I was like, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm glad I watched it. Again, I wouldn't go to theaters for it, but the, um, and I don't know how much of a credit it is to him or the scene, but like, just thinking in everything of like what time is, after he comes back from that week and it's like you just did all this but like your daughter is here as a child now this was the, a mo- huge... the moment on his the look on his face and just him grappling with that in his mind like 
I don't know if I'm giving him too much credit or not, but like I think he plays that scene really well of like, fuck man, like I just watched spoilers, I just watched my daughter die in the future and I'm back here and she's still a baby. Like right. whoa. Okay. Well, first of all, to each his own. I personally think Pratt's pretty bad in this movie. Yeah. Personally. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you can't feel differently. I I kept really getting hung up on... It's been out for several weeks. Again, spoilers for The Tomorrow War. Yeah. I guess. I was really hung up on the fact that like he was so concerned about like, but I can't let you die here. Like the older version of his daughter and like, I'm going to come back for you and all this stuff. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like... Dude, you're supposed to be, like, very intelligent on top of being, like, a military badass. Right. But do you not understand, if you go back and prevent all this from happening, you get to have a life with your daughter. Right. And you get to prevent her from having to become this version of herself that is detached from you and all of this other shit. Mm Mm-hmm. You get to correct it. Why are you so concerned with preserving this other version of your daughter like you can go back and fix all of this shit i just didn't get it and he kept bringing it up over and over again like i can't watch you die and all this different shit and i was just like i don't did they you tell get him how the time but see, they, works that, the bro thing, yeah but like, the thing is i think the problem is they tell him what happens to him and he's not supposed you're never supposed to know that about right. yourself so, well, and that's why when he went back, I was like, are we going to start to see him play into this thing? And it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy where it's like, well, he doesn't want to tell them what he knows or what he experienced. So he becomes distant and then the marriage breaks down and then he ends up playing, you know, mm-hmm. I thought they were going to go down that route. And right. I was also like, we don't have enough time for this shit. Yeah. So thankfully they're like, no, actually we're going to reverse engineer this. I love Sam Richardson and it. I thought he was great. He was the highlight by far. Um, I love the other. Everybody clap. You got to come up. Yeah. Everybody clap. I love. Everybody clap. So he's got to come up. I do the, the, uh, the guy that's like, who's been there and they're like. We goosed them. We goosed these kids. (laughs) Yeah. The, the guy like what he, the guy who's been through the shit like two times and they're like, what the fuck are you doing here? And he's like, I found out I had cancer. I'd rather die here. Than like a slow death back home. That's probably really cliche, but it's. I like to think that like on some level, if that if like a anybody knew, like there's an extinction event on the horizon, anybody who was already marked for death would just be like, "Give me a gun, let me go," you know. And I love that about like that's just that little the fact that he does it. The girl from the future who doesn't exist anymore. They they sacrifice themselves to like. And again, that's why I made a joke earlier about like it wasn't whatever. It's just like oh. This was randomly here. It was a space. There's a whole bigger world to this that doesn't ever get explained that you could totally tap into for sequels. But it's like these things weren't bound for Earth. So that means there is something else bigger than us out there that has these as like pets or whatever. And we're just going to be like, okay, it wasn't. Oh, good. They weren't meant to be here. This is an accident. Let's blow this motherfucker up and leave. As opposed to like, wait a minute, is somebody out there trying to hunt us down War of the World style? But, so, and I appreciated that. And J.K. Simmons and the whole dad angle. That's Well, there was a, well, okay, that speaks to how long the movie is. I forgot that J.K. Simmons was a character in it to the point where I was like, 
oh yeah i guess they gotta do something with his dad <laughs> they gotta redeem that so when he comes in at the end as a total badass like that all played for me I did you that. think he was gonna die the entire time where you're like this is it he's gonna die oh, i love that they circumvent that it's like hey you can meet your granddaughter it's like huh way to kind of try and fool me again yeah, no i like that but i also like the whole time we were watching that third or fourth act sequence i was like you guys could have just started here and it could have just been like just an, an alien action driven version of the thing with a different title and I, I would have been okay with yeah. that but uh, it was a fun time yeah if they do a sequel I'll watch it I, I don't think it, they will because I think this movie cost a lot of money and well, I don't think very many people watched it on but I do know that it was based off of a book series Right, that doesn't necessarily guarantee that there's going to be a sequel. Yeah, but I'm saying, that, no, I'm not saying there will be. I'm saying there is potential to. Oh, I figured you know, as much. It's yeah. not like something original. It's, you know, it's like everything from Amazon okay. that comes from books, which is where they started. <laughs> That's true. Thanks, Jeff Bezos. We don't say that on this podcast. <laughs> um, I'll edit that part out. Okay, later. good. Let me uh, timestamp that. Okay, yeah, two hours and four minutes. <laughs> Okay, I have two left, and then we can talk the yeah. thing we want to talk about. Unless you got any more. Brand new ones? What? Brand new ones to me? You're asking me? You're you, telling me. I got plenty of brand new ones. Oh, yeah, you're going to run through all your stuff, right? Uh-huh. Okay, I got two more. Go for it. Over on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. you could watch The Tomorrow War, mm-hmm. which was all right. Yeah. Or you could take a chance on... Pretty wild, out there movie. It's not going to be for everybody, but is one of my absolute favorites of the year. Gavin's looking at me like, "Did I watch this shit?" It's called Annette. Oh no, no. Okay, Annette is the latest from Leos Carrex, who did a movie called Holy Motors a couple of years ago. He's directed a bunch of other shit. He's French. He's weird. He's avant garde. The uh, selling point for this one, if it's a selling point at all. Uh, it's a musical, which is normally not my bag, but it's a musical written by the band Sparks, who I've recently fallen in love with in the last uh, year. And it stars Mr. Adam Driver, one of the best best actors of his generation, and uh, Miss Lavienne Rose herself, Marion Cotillard. You also got old uh, Simon Helberg from The Big Bang Theory rounding out the cast. Hmm. And, yeah, it's a sung-through musical. It's weird as shit. It's about a power couple, essentially, a comedian and an opera singer who have a child together. And the child is very unique. That's all I'll say. Hmm. Uh, It's long. It's uh, not for everybody. And it's fucking strange as hell. But I loved it. I loved every second of it. It It's pure cinema, baby. Um... Case in point, throw it on, watch it with Veronica. She does not realize it's a sung through musical. And she stuck around for about 45 minutes. She gave it her all, but it was not her bag. And I could tell because I'm sitting there like 15 minutes in just, I just have my socks knocked off. Just like, dude, just the, the camera work, the lighting, the aesthetic, just all the, the mise-en-scene, all the choices, the, the metatextual stuff. It. It's all hitting me. I'm just like, I wish I went to the theater to see this a week ago when I could have seen it at the Terrace. But whatever, I waited. That's entertainment. I'm it, it literally, it was one of those moments where I'm just like, dude, this is like, this is why I watch movies. Like, 
to see shit like this. And she's on her phone next to me, completely checked out, <laughs> no interest whatsoever. And I was just like, that's going to be this movie. I'm going to, I gave it a nine out of 10. I posted it on Instagram. And the next day, Tim and his wife, Elise, are like, yeah, so we started that Annette movie. You gave nine, like nine out of 10, too. Yeah, we turned it off after about 25 minutes. Just, we weren't feeling it. I was like, can't blame you it's one of those if somebody told me that's the worst piece of shit i ever saw in my life i'd be like good on you man god bless but i absolutely loved it that was great i think the things with movies like that is it's like somewhere people are like yeah we get it like you can do songs and like you can hear sounds and pictures at the same time we get that they used to just be pictures with cards but now they're pictures with sound great because i feel like a lot of people who don't like musicals they feel like maybe people doing musicals just want to like like look at this is the highest form of the art form we're singing and we're dancing and we're telling story and we're using like mise-en-scene and we're using camera work this is actually entertainment this is what everybody remember when we used to make nothing but musicals and people loved them back in the day i feel like anybody doing that now people are just like okay this get is it. also i should say one of the most non-traditional right weird right like again it's like a a metatextual study of musicals right at the same time exactly. that it yeah. is a musical yeah so you already have one strike against you because people are like huh, a musical if it's not Greece, then no one really cares. Oh, and it's also not one with like approachable, memorable songs that people are gonna like take yeah, away from yeah. the show with them. Like it's, it's. I would never, and I love Sparks. I would never listen to any of these songs. Yeah. Out of the context of this movie, without the visual accompaniment, but I am because it was originally like a stage show that they wrote and performed and did themselves. I want to hear their version of it because all of the music in the movie is sung by adam driver and marion cotillard and like they're doing their own singing hmm. but i'm curious to hear the voices i know from sparks hmm. in those those roles essentially so yeah that's a net it's on amazon prime um it could be like a stealth contender that ends up being an awards like contender but i feel like it's just too weird and out there and it's not gonna like make the jump it's it's a total other hated sort of situation speaking of another one that people have had some intense mixed reactions to and i i think it's flawed but also one of the better things i've seen this year paul schrader's the card counter starring mr oscar isaac doing some of his best work have you seen the trailer for this bad boy uh i want to see it i haven't seen it yet okay what's it on I had to go to the theater for this one. Okay, it's in limited release. Right? Probably why I haven't seen it. Yeah, you've seen the trailer though. Oh yeah, no, it looks oh, okay. badass. Um, that's one way to describe it. Um, it is so, so not what I think people think it's gonna be. Oh, of course, it's just how it is. I, I felt like even seeing it in the context I did at our indie theater here in Charleston, opening day, small crowd, like maybe ten people. The consensus seemed to be from the tone in the room that a lot of people walked in expecting a fucking gambling movie, like a gambling centric film or something in the vein of like an Ocean's Eleven that maybe has a little bit of a darker crime tinge to it. I was thinking like a Get Carter, like a revenge type kind of thing. No, not at all. Like a 
they screwed him over on a job, so now he's got to, like, get his revenge type of deal. No. This is a Paul Schrader's usual MO. I st- you still haven't watched First Reformed, which is on Amazon. No. Incredible movie. I still prefer First Reformed, but this is this is good. Um, but no, this is an examination of, like, masculinity. You're like isolated brooding dude it's the same character he's been writing a variation on since taxi driver and raging bull and like all of this stuff hmm. fucking uh rolling thunder um but it's yeah i don't want to spoil too much about it till you've seen it but i will say it's the trailer is struggling to give you what this movie is without spoiling what this movie is Hmm. and as a result i feel like it's a similar kind of green knight situation where people are going to go into this expecting like a you know maybe a kind of a grittier oceans 11 or like you said a get i don't know who's going like oh yeah just like get carter i don't know i mean something with gambling and like it's a stallone revenge i don't know um i think get carter was a michael i will will tell you that as a heads up it is not what you think it is but it's it's got a lot going on and a lot to a lot to puzzle over. Hmm. And it doesn't all necessarily work. And there are some... It's a little rough around the edges, but that's also part of what I like about it. You'll know what I mean when you see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one huge takeaway is, I mean, Oscar Isaac is fucking great and everything. But this immediately goes into like the... This is like one of the three or four best performances he's ever given. So hmm. uh, highly recommend if it's playing near you locally. And it will probably be on vod very soon so keep an eye out for the card counter that is it on my new front except for one movie that we will discuss after you tell me your new stuff freaky did you catch that one saw it in the theater good time vince vaughn mm-hmm. a freaky friday riff from the blumhouse crew yep it's a good time uh i on hbo max Yes. We can both say that is a huge recommend for October if you are looking for a solid horror comedy that does not outstay its welcome. That's um, exactly what it and, is. And has some fun fun little gags in it. Yeah. And a, a pretty winning, great performance from, from Vince Vaughn, if I, I do say yeah. so myself. I agree. Uh, I was the, the, that was the draw, and I, I'm, I'm glad I, I wanted to see it in theaters. I don't remember when exactly it was released, but I was like, I'm not going to pay for VOD. If I do, I'll wait. That's why I was waiting till October. It was like, if it still costs my VOD, I'll, I'll watch it in October for that. But then yeah. it was like, okay, it's on HBO Max. Done. Um, the Endless was a new one for me. So we talked about this a little bit off mic. These are the... Um, Wilbur and Bernstein's. Yeah. And see, when you do that, I have a hard time. Moorhead and Benson. Benson and Moorhead. Benson and Moorhead. Wilburn and Bernstein, the same two. It's these the the, the... Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Right. You had seen Synchronic. I watched you the Resolution first. You told me I should watch the other two. I vaguely remember Spring. And then I went to see Synchronic <laughs> okay. in theaters, and then you were like, This the was the endless. only one you had not seen. Right. Okay. Because I text you, I'm like, wait a minute. So, do those two guys show up in Resolution? I'm having trouble remembering. Is there a scene where two dudes from a cult come into that house 
in resolution. And you text me back, they're all connected. And I was like, that doesn't answer my <laughs> fucking question. I'm almost... Po- because I thought you were confusing your, and you were referring the two dudes from resolution if they reoccurred in the other movies. But I understand now what you were saying is, is that scene, is the flip side of that scene happen? And I think so. I think <laughs> but it does. I don't, but I I'm don't not 100%. Remember. I think they do essentially tie it in. Because it's just all directly. time loops. Yes. Yes. I mean, spoilers for movies that people have not really seen. Yeah, that you should. Because that well, you, when you say that and you realize it's all time loops, that like it makes the perfect jump to synchronic where it's like, okay, not only is it like there's points on the earth where like time loops, but if you take this drug, you will go to a different time at this exact same point, And literally any fucking place you step would be a different point in time. It's fucking, it's, I, it's, I need to, I'm probably just going to watch all three of these again, or four of these again in succinct order one day. I'm just going to make Becky And spring sit is one of those that like seems like the outlier, but does still connect. That, and I, because I don't remember it, I'm, that's the one I'm going to yeah. be shooting for when our, October starts around, so I'll and have to sp- find that. For spring, for some people, is the fan favorite. I think The Endless is, is the best of the It's bunch. so fucking good, it's man. so good, dude. It's so fucking eerie. It like, takes its time. Yes. Like, nice slow burn. Mm-hmm. The whole, I mean, yeah, the whole opening stretch of them, like, coming back to the cult and, like, the rope trick, all of that stuff, yeah. dude. Just, like, yeah. Yeah. It's a good time. Yeah, definitely. And the, the actual ending of that movie as well is, like, beyond trippy. Yeah. In, in the best way possible. Um. Yeah, so The Endless. Girl with Dragon Tattoo. The Fencher? Yes. Nice. Never seen it. Oh, you've never seen it? Mm-mm. Saw that bit, bad boy in the theater opening night. I was Good. so amped. Yeah. Um, I figured you would have waited till it got a little colder, man. I always save that one for like November, December. Yeah. It was up there and I was like, I don't know when it's going to come back. And I know we didn't get a sequel with everybody else in it. So, but the same people returning. So I was like, but uh, it's a one-off. I understand. Um, it does end oddly with that context of like the fact they didn't make, he didn't make a second one. I know they did make a second one, mm-hmm. but yeah, I remember in the theater feeling like, and I had to tell everybody I was with, I was like, "This is a book series. Like they're gonna." Because I had seen the. You want to watch all three of these? They're available. I was gonna right say now. I had already seen all of those, the Numi Rapace ones, yeah. and so. I was like, yeah, guys, I was like, I know it feels weird that you just watched a three-hour movie and it feels open-ended, but, like, there's more books. Like, right. They they are ongoing characters, exactly. and this is where the the note that they wanted to leave this one on. Come back next Christmas for the next Harry Potter. Yeah, huh. I mean, dude, that was yeah. still one of my favorite marketing campaigns ever, the feel-bad movie of Christmas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, it's definitely, I don't know, the people that... The people that hate on Venture, I feel like it's the easiest one to criticize because it is the most style over substance mm-hmm. of any of his movies. But I've, it's really fucking good. I really like yeah, no, it. It's really and it's got some astounding set pieces in it. Uh, particularly the whole, I mean, the whole basement sequence, the last like 20 minutes, oh, like yeah. kind of appropriate climax before you have the denouement afterwards. And then, of course, the sequence where Elizabeth like goes to get her revenge about midway through the movie oh, is yeah. one of the coolest and also most upsetting the scenes ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I watched the, uh, I'm just going to call it fan four stick. I think you know what that means. 
Fan four stick. Yeah, it's where it's Fantastic Four, but the four is in the middle. How they marketed it as Fan four stick. The one with Michael B. Jordan and oh no, what's your face from uh, right. Kate Mara? Yeah, um, and not uh, the not the one from Girl with the Dragon. No, 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 no. no sister. I'm, yeah, and uh, Mister too, too Old to Die Young himself. Yeah, and the late great the dead their dad in it. He was in. Uh, he just passed away not like last year. Um, he was in House of Cards as the barbecue guy. He's been in everything. Reggie Cathy? Yeah. No. Is that right? I think so. I think that's his name. Okay. Yeah, he like just passed away within the last year or so. I'm trying to think of what else you would know him in. He's been in pretty gotcha. much... Gotcha. What, what are we talking about again? You would know him as one of the henchmen from The Mask, Noah. Um, Fantastic Four that came out back of the... It was finally put up on Disney+, Plus and I was like, people talk shit about this one. Let me watch it. And Just as bad as they say? I actually enjoyed it. Shocker. It's better than the fucking ones we got from, like, Fox Marvel with, like... I don't know, dude. I kind of miss that era, to be honest with you. Of course you would say that. You would be the one that says that. Fall in line with everybody else. We're going to get back to the Fox of it all. I, I bet mean, you want a bunch of villains in Spider-Man 3, don't you? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, we could just stop making them right now, and yeah. I'd be good. I was like, I think we've gotten enough in the last decade. Mm-hmm. We can just rewatch these forever yeah. on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. But I am excited with the next phase. I just... A few less comic book immor- movies and a few more original movies would be kind of well, cool. Well, my whole thing know. is that my hope is that the Immortals comes out and people really enjoy it, and you have Eternals, Eternals, Immortals. They're the same thing. Doesn't matter. Case in point, right there, people are gonna be like, "What's this Eternals? I don't even fucking." Immortals know. is a game. That's what I'm thinking of. There was an Immortals. Possibly. If you want to talk about the movie we've been teasing this whole time, we have got to do it soon. Okay. Well, then let me run through the rest of my shit. Okay. Please do. Okay. Maybe maybe trim a few sentences off your reviews now and then so I can talk. <laughs> uh, sweet girl. I let you do like a minute or two minutes on cocaine cowboys. Not even that, that was like thing. five at the most. Uh, River's Edge, sweet girl, and uh, how was they, old sweet girl? I mean, he's nice to look at, and it's. <laughs> The twist is the twist. I can't. Because all of the social media ads I was seeing were just like all fan reviews. Yes. And it's all just women being like, he's so dreamy. Yes. And I'm like, is this what it's come to? Is it this is. how we're just marketing all I... of his movies now? And you know what? For what it is, I'm glad they did it that way because the way that it, the, what, what goes down is actually, I fucking love it. I love what happens to it. I love what it is because of what it's saying about itself, but it's still not. That Good. Great. <laughs> right. Do you want me to tell you? You're going to watch it? I don't care, and we can move on. Okay. I, I do not care. Then, and then the last one was Vacation Friends. How was that? Fucking hilarious. Okay. Lorel, John Cena. To, John Cena is fucking funny, dude. Veronica. I agree. I'm, you act you, He's so defensive. Like, you fucking know the guy? Yeah. I think I agree. I think he's very funny. I think that's why he didn't work in Fast 9. But hopefully they'll let him be funny in the next one. Hopefully. All right. Candyman. I'm not looking in the mirror, so it doesn't count. Candyman. Neither am I. Candyman. Yep. Did I tell you a little something? The eyes, the body's mirrors. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you be careful. Candyman. <laughs> Becky was a little apprehensive about going to see this in the theater, and I was like, look. 
I'm just going to be real with you. You don't need to be worried about this movie because it's one of the only movies that tells you what the fuck not to do <laughs> right. and you'll be fine. And we got out of there. She goes, yeah, it was, it wasn't as bad as I thought. And I was like, yeah, just don't fucking say Candyman, right? And she was like, yeah, really? One of my just fa- don't. I wish I had the, the original tweet to give the person credit. But yeah, one of my favorites I saw going around was like, it's proof that you just need to keep your name yeah, out. Yeah, keep them. people's name keep out your mouth people, and people you'll be fine. Yes. Yeah. Like, Mike yeah. Allen posted that shit on his, his, his uh, that was great. Snapchat. I was like, of course, um, Mike Allen. So, I know you were over the moon for it. I was, and I see that you weren't. I still really liked it. No, you can really like it. I just, fine. I don't know I'm that tr- I... I'm had. trying to find... No, I just, I think that you can put this up there with, I don't know how many other movies you could really put up with because there's not that much, but I hope this trend continues. That if you decide you want to remake something or reimagine something, this is a nice template, just the way I would put Halloween 18 up, 18 up, with this is how you. This is an example of something that's made by people who love it, who respect it, want to show it to everybody as to what it was what the original was but want to do their own thing and not just well we gotta have this shot we gotta have that shot he's gotta do this he's gotta do that the way that it informs you of what Candyman is to people the myth the lore all that it's connections to the original film and how that's all played about and like what it's doing now I dug all of that. Like, when she, when Becky was like, what's this and that? I'm like, that all connects to the first one. I'll tell you after the movie. Like, it's fine. There was a few people in there. It was a, it was like a Sunday. I saw this on Labor Day. Mm-hmm. So it was like a Sunday matinee thing. It wasn't that many people. Well, I was at the race. We went and saw it. Um, but just genuinely, I don't know, the vibe, the energy, the way it was shot, the somewhat dark humor of it you know um, like you know the one little girl be like i fuck this i'm out i'm leaving in the bathroom fucking hilarious Mm -hmm. you know but i don't know i just i i really we i was trying to i tried to talk about this earlier when we were talking about um malignant when it comes to like horror and like what it's supposed to be doing for me i don't need horror movies to be commenting on things and like being a like study of something or like what does this mean about like our current society what we're going through but i do feel like there is somewhat of a catharsis in a movie like this on some level for people whether it's dealing with you know current issues past issues but relate folding that into that along with like this you know this movie from the 90s that some people remember some people don't some people probably have never seen it. Some people have, oh, oh that's the guy with the hook. Who, who, oh, okay, cool. You had him, and then you had the other guy with the hook, and I know what you did last summer. whoop de doo Like, it, on its base level, it could just be this throwaway horror movie from the 90s. At its best day, it's like this kind it's of like... one of the five best, arguably, right. horror masterpieces of right. the 90s. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it exists... To be able to exist like that and have this, I I couldn't I couldn't ask for more. And somebody who wanted to come and do a remake sequel. So, I mean, I don't know. You got Coleman Domingo. I can't I can't argue with him. I love that guy. 
Um, I no, I think the cast is like uniformly excellent. Um, particularly Coleman Domingo, and I, I mainly say that because, again, we're late in the episode. Soon people have had the chance to see it. I know way more people are gonna see it. So if you haven't seen it, um, I like the movie quite a bit as well. I just I've got some quibbles. I still. I can tell you this. It's the best horror movie of the year so far. Hands down. You know what? Some fucking body said that about Malignant. And I was like, are you shitting me? You think that this is better than Candyman. That's what I'm thinking when I'm reading this. Right. But I think it was somebody from like Dread Central or something. Some no-name publication. Who knows? Yeah. Still Um, need those uh, five-star reviews so we can start reviewing shit. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, I haven't asked for that. So we can start telling people this is the greatest horror movie of the year. Or Sorry, the best horror movie Um, of the year. But yeah, I think, and granted, it's been a little bit of a weak year for horror, but this is by far the best thing I've seen in the genre. I And I love how it ties itself in to the, how it becomes a sequel, essentially. I, I loved all of that stuff. I think it's incredibly well shot. Um, the opening credits alone, which the Candyman original opening credits are astounding. With the Philip Glass score and like the way the aerial shots it has the flip of that for this i thought was and the whole concept of mirroring everything like she clearly had a vision for it Mm -hmm. and visually i think she 100 percent executes on that from start to finish the screenplay i think there's too many cooks in the kitchen really yes how so i think I think this has happened with virtually every Jordan Peele project that he's produced on that he has not written and directed himself. Mm -hmm. Where I think he comes in with the story idea, the basic outline. Right. The structure. Spec script. Got it. Exactly. But he's not writing the the lines, the dialogue. Mm-hmm. So I think what you end up with is this movie where it's like, well, the original kind of lightly touches on some of the themes of like gentrification, but we really want to bring that to the forefront. But instead of doing it thematically or with any kind of subtlety, we're just going to have a conversation. We're about just going to have a very, very direct conversation about it. And I think it, I think it doesn't give the audience enough credit for being, like, being a little more aware of like, of course I would expect a Candyman movie made in the cold light of day of 2021 to probably focus a little bit more on that. But when you like are having a very base level conversation about it where you're literally giving like a textbook definition of what gentrification is for like the dumb people in the audience I guess I'm like those people aren't coming to this movie in the first place like who are you talking to right like I it felt very first drafty very direct where I was like you didn't you didn't weed out the okay first choice best choice most obvious thing and kind of like 
bring in the realism factor. It was just like, we want to get these issues, these talk, they, they begin to feel like talking points when they're not explored with any kind of depth. To me, personally. Mm-hmm. And then they set up something I thought was a really interesting thread where you have the white female art critic saying, like, you're kind, like, it's so loaded, but, like, you're kind, you're responsible for this gentrification. He's like, my kind, like, what the fuck? She's like, artist. Right. Like, all of you want cheap, you know, spaces or whatever. You don't care where you get it. Do you, you need your lofts, etc. And I was like, that's something really interesting for this movie to investigate. Yes. The fact that he maybe feels a little bit like a fraud and he's investigating this story that is not his own. No. At least as far as he, he knows early on. And he's profiting off of it right. with his art. That's something really interesting to explore. Right. Movie doesn't really do that. <laughs> it, And that's where I, like I was telling you earlier, I wanted the hour and 50 minute slow burn version of this where we get to delve a little bit more into his strained relations with like the people he works with within the art world instead what we get is hey we need to kill this dude off so we need to just turn him into like a fucking perv and essentially a you know uh an abusive boss you know sexual harasser whatever we got to do that very efficiently turn him into a douchebag so you'll enjoy when he gets killed and i'm like I already like didn't like this guy. You don't have to. I, mm-hmm. I horror movies that always tack on the like. Oh yeah. We gotta we gotta remind you though. This guy's a dick, so it's okay for you to watch him die. Right. Um. But like, the turn of him kind of like having turned his back on the art where like people aren't accepting the work, and then, you know, all of a sudden he's kind of a murder suspect, and that's part of the, like. Mm-hmm. I wanted more. I wanted more of all of that. Just a little bit more depth because. What it felt like to me was a nice slow burn for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes mm-hmm. that then has to sprint to the finish line. And I've kind of got whiplash from it. Like I don't know how else to describe it. Where I felt like it thematically did not deliver on some of the stuff it was exploring. So it felt very surface level. Because you just kind of like lightly touched on these things and they weren't baked into the thematics of everything, where it ended like where it ended with the Coleman Domingo character I was like, Oh, that I like that and I like the reveal of like what's going on with Yaya. Mm-hmm. But because of part of where his character's headed, that's another thing that kind of bummed me out. He kind of is a non-factor for the last third of the movie. Arguably, your best actor in the cast is essentially incapacitated for the back half as he, spoilers, slowly shifts into becoming the new candy. Which I could have told you from all of the trailers, that's where this movie was going. That's what I was expecting the whole time, and I thought that's what we were going to get. The girlfriend angle, who we kind of shift more over to her perspective in the back half, I needed, uh, I hate to be this guy, but I needed more of their relationship, of the buildup, of like kind of losing out on this as like a, a tragic element to this. Because one thing that the original has that this movie almost completely abandons, it's one of the few erotic horror movies 
Yes. That is just, it's sexy. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's weird. Right. It's weirdly sexy. Mm-hmm. But it has, it has a, I don't know how to describe it. Candyman, the original, has a sexual energy to it. That is a huge, to me, component of that character. He is falling in love with Virginia Madsen because she reminds him of his great lost love who he was killed for, essentially. Right. And the whole Daniel Robitaille, like, backstory. I, like, I love it. They go deeper with it in the sequels, which, they're not spectacular, but, like, Tony Todd is fucking Tony Todd. That's another thing. We kept getting this, this guy who I'm like, why isn't it Tony Todd? Like, what is it? And they do eventually justify it, okay? And then they give you just, just, a, just a smidge of him. And I I did love it when we finally got there. But, again, the implication for the setup of these sequels is, so now it's Yaya? Like, we're never going to see Tony Todd again? Like, so is Yaya the new Candyman? Or is he just the new visual representation? And in the case of all of this, why could, you couldn't at least give me the Tony Todd voice for like earlier parts of the movie? Because you don't get him until the very end. And I get making you wait for it. And they want to have a, a punch at the end. And I do like all of that. But for me, it was a little bit, it was a little too little too late. I wanted a, a little more meat on the bones. I wanted them to give it a little bit more time. Because I loved, again, everything she was doing visually. Like, all, I, I was really vibing with it. And then I felt like it just kind of cut some corners here and there. And I don't know if some of this was affected by COVID. I thought this thing was, like, finished and done and ready to come out last year. Uh, maybe and they tested it and they needed to reshoot. And, I just... and it, did, it did feel like maybe they played around with some stuff. I did also think that, again, in the the surface level themes, the turn at the end of like, oh, we're just going to frame him for all of this and you should sign off on it and like, we're kind of pressuring you into it. Red is just like, guys, this is like a hat on a hat on a hat. Like, we're doing this now. Like, we're tying it into this conversation. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the movie can hold all of this weight, essentially. Well, no, that's the thing. It can because that's what Candyman is. Candyman is a, a reminder that shit like that happens all the time. And it still had me. Coleman Domingo has that delivery of it. Like, we need him to remind people that what happened here, what's been happening here, and what's still happening here. So you can argue that the first go-round with uh, Tony Todd, essentially, which we get you know, told about again, that was its own thing. And then this time in the seventies with Coleman Domingo as a kid, that's another thing. And it's all essentially this underlying thing of like, but Tony Todd is Daniel Robitaille. That is that's OG candy. Right. And so that's why the ending pays off for me. But the idea that you needed the incident with Coleman Domingo you need and what happened with Helen Lyle, and then this thing now. Dude, I'm sorry, that is the most choice. Like, hey, remember this person? Like, we fucking got her back. <laughs> but it's Vanessa Williams from the original Candyman, that mom who's like, 
she only has a few scenes. Mm-hmm. But it they brought her back straight up. Yeah. To the point where I'm st- like, I'm such an idiot. I'm like, I see her name in the credits and I'm like, oh, the other Vanessa Williams. I didn't know she was in this movie. Right. Okay. And then we get to the like tail end of the second act or whatever. I was like, oh shit, dude. Because it's one of the most memorable moments in the original movie is when she comes the fucking dog head is cut like mm-hmm. off and the baby's missing and you're like this movie took a hard hard <laughs> right turn. turn yeah my god yeah yeah but uh, again no that's what i'm saying like you're it's you're overall you're saying that like from jump street shit like this happens to the poor impoverished people of color when white people are in charge and you're only getting to the shit that happened with, well, we kind of probably need to frame it for this is the same exact thing of somebody screamed and they beat the fucking shit. They beat him to death, tore him apart, all the white cops. So I think it can hold it because again, that's why at the end it's like, tell everyone, you know, because he's back and he's ready to be known. And again, it's so simple. You could live your entire life in Caprini Green and never have to worry about anything. Just don't fucking say his name in a mirror. (laughs) How simple is that? Well, and I love the reverse of the end of essentially now he's this folkloric hero that you could call on to save you in situations like this. Right. That he's the boogeyman for white people. Yeah, he's like Luke Cage with, you know, supernatural Luke Cage. You just call him out anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like I like where we end, and I like the stinger, and I make I'm excited for the possibility of like re- reviving this as a franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like I w- I wanted a little bit more in the same way that like I just for me personally, this is not on the level of Get Out of Us. I'm thinking of the recent like top tier horror movies in my mind of your your Midsommars, your Hereditary. Mm-hmm. I think this has a lot of interesting ideas and it's a little muddled in how it executes them. I think it has a brilliant visual aesthetic, looks gorgeous, love the score, has some great vibes to it. I can't wait to watch it again and I think I may be a little more less, you know, I may be a little more go with the flow. It just, I was, from that opening conversation, I was like, this is a little on the nose, right guys? Like, mm-hmm. really? And then I think I was just, I kind of had my ears like perked up for like, okay, well, how much are we actually exploring this? And how much do the, like, again, the visual storytelling and the thematics tie into it beyond just like a surface level thing. And I'm not saying it's not there. I think I just, I, and I do look forward to giving it another look. The, um, I think he probably knows what he's doing when it comes to like, ow. I'll let somebody else do this. My name will get it made. That that's what and I'm so I'm good, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, not, I'm I'm not not gonna put my on, neck on that. Right. So I'm not I'll let somebody on else the do projects it. that he's just kind of like overseen. But again, I think that's the key. There is without him as like the main guiding principle. I think some people take the surface level elements of what he quote unquote does based on two movies and the sketch show, but what his mo is and the Twilight Zone, right? Didn't he have something to do with those? I don't think he even directed any of those. I think he directed or... or I think he did one. I think he did story by credits or something yeah. on them. And, of course, he hosted it. But I don't know that he directed any of those episodes. Hmm. Um, I could be wrong, and I will look that up. But um, 
but I think people you you feel people trying to do an imitation of what he does as opposed to just doing their own version yeah, yeah. of what he does. I I don't know, but uh, I dug. I did want to shout out one thing, which is one of the best set piece kills I've seen in a while, and it's a quick one. And it it goes by in a flash, but when it when it happens, I was like, "That's impressive." I haven't seen anything quite like that. He's over at the white art critic lady's house, or is she a journalist or something? She's a journalist. She's a yes. critic journalist. Yeah, doing the interview, kind of leaves on church note, and that's when he first like sees in the mirror and is like freaking out a bit, and you're like, "Oh, where's this gonna go?" And he rushes out, and the pullback from the like outside one view of the, of the best building, shots as she i i was absolutely blown away i that was the watching, timing on that was like perfection yeah that was so good i was people watching, were like that was the one moment in theaters that got people where they were like whoa whoa, whoa. yeah yeah that yeah. shit pulling back like that because i was like doing whatever thinking you know it's not I mean, we're sitting away from people and i was i was saying something to her that it, like hit my mind and she goes look and I just had to look back up. It's like he's, he got her. I was like, Whoa. and as it's pulling, I was like, it is oh, a blink and you miss it. Thing, like, yeah, if you it's don't, so, yeah. oh god, so yeah. well done. I was like, oh good, yeah, because I, I, I would have. Uh, I think she kind of drops the sound out too, if I'm remembering right, correctly. Right, because you pull as back, you just see all her. these different stories, all these different mirrors, and it's like you're either looking at that as like these are all these other stories going on that like you will never know about, or all they gotta do is look in that mirror and call his name, and boom, he's there. Yeah. And that's the brilliance of it because it's like, it's such a, such an investment and such a thankful, like, nah, this guy's going through this shit, you know, the art, he got a bee sting, all this stuff. What does it mean? Is he coming to grips? Does he know who he is? Blah, 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 blah. And then at the end of the day, it's like, this literally could happen to no one else. Or they could like turn it, if, if he doesn't become Candyman at the end, it's, regardless it's gonna be oh that crazy artist guy yeah he's the one who actually went to that high school and and murdered all those girls you know it was actually him it wasn't just right you know whatever whatever and so it's which i and it, i only thing i hated was by the time we got to that high school scene i was like why do i know this little girl again forgetting that she was the art critics like helper right you saw her like, in the what? one that's the only scene, scene right. that kind of felt out of touch. So I was just like, why do I need this in here? I get what he I is. I think it's because the movie, that that's one of those where I'm like, that feels like a studio note. Or like, hey, yeah. can you put one more kill in there? One like, crazy kill, like something yeah. ridiculous. And I did like the way that one was shot, though, because you didn't really like see, you just no, kind of like saw blood just like leak out from like different, yeah, from per, the perspective and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, the little um, girl that runs away in the beginning is fucking, yep, nope, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and there's a moment, or there's a moment with the girlfriend as well when she's investigating the laundromat, where she sees that she, she sees like, oh, there's basement down there. No, nope, not yep, doing that. that. Was my, yeah, closes that, it, that turns was, around. Yeah, yeah, I love it. That, that and got then a, he, of course, pop. Coleman Domingo like shows up, boom, right then, and then we're into the third act. Yeah, like, yeah. That was I appreciated that because it was like, of course, like she has been the the logic and reason the entire time, and it's just like, nope. No, thank you. I, th- I was pretty no perfect, but yeah. yeah. 
definitely yeah. recommend go see it in theaters. I re- again, I recommend it as well. I just had I I had some quibbles, but uh yeah. I look forward to seeing it again. Okay. That was uh our Candyman review way late here in the game. That's mm-hmm. what I'm still going to advertise this with, so all the people who were like what the fuck um learn how to work your gotcha, bitch. forward button, I guess, or listen on Spotify where you can jump directly to the timestamps. Um, thank you if you stuck around with us this long. That was a review of Candyman from 2021 uh, and a bunch of what we've been watching. Real quick, let's check in with Facebook and find out yeah. what's going to be our 2 by 2 for the month of September. I'm pulling it up as we speak. Yeah, go ahead and check it out. See what you got. See what you got. Okay, so we did a little Facebook poll, and the way Gavin broke this down was... It's football season, so we, we're doing football movies, and Gavin picked a batch from the 2000s and a batch from the 90s, and we're about to find out how all of that shook out. Okay, this poll has been active for 10 hours. We're going to go ahead and call it. Goddamn. Okay, bottom of the pack with no votes, Jerry Maguire and Varsity Blues. I believe that was one of my picks and one of Gavin's picks. Yep. We got two votes, a respectable two votes for Little Giants. Midsection, excuse me, we have a three-way tie for second place between the program, which I've never seen, Any Given Sunday, which I voted for, and Rudy, which seems to be the uh, favorite of our parents' generation, which I honestly thought was an 80s movie. Me too. And I was like, forget it's ninety three. I was like, I was like, you're mistaken. And then I looked, and I was like, oh, ninety three. All right, cool. Do you know who the program has in it? Jimmy Conn. Yeah. Yeah. And Halle Berry. All right. You know what shot and at Omar Col- Epps, right? Omar Epps. You know what shot at USC? Yeah, I did know. That. Yeah, I've just never seen it. I, I, it's been forever. That's been, I think perfect. Of course, that. I believe uh, our cousin Patrick shouted out. Uh, necessary roughness. I couldn't do. We couldn't do back to back. Yeah, dude. No I back almost to commented. No I'm sorry, but we just did bacula. color of night. No back to back bacula. I I love that we had this. I said thought. it out loud at work when I looked at. I looked at. I was like, oh, no, you can't do back to back. No, no back to back bacula. And Tyler's like, what are you talking about? I was like, because I've been asking him like, what should I do? What what should I pick? So he's kind of helped me narrow it down. Because yeah. I said we so, were doing the blind side because I wasn't going to give anybody a reason to think that that kid couldn't play football. Right. This white lady taught him how to play football. That's preposterous. Right. With a whopping eight votes, the winner and one of the two movies we will be doing, the Adam Sandler classic, The Water Boy. You remember that time that Bobby Boucher came back and the mud dog won the bourbon bowl, do you? <laughs> A lot of love for it, man. It's I mean, good, dude. It's I'm so not good. saying it's not good. I just always dread doing comedies on a podcast because I feel like at the end of the day, it's just we just start doing we just start repeating bits from the movie to each then other. We just we but let's got, treat it. No, we got to come with a deep dramatic read of yes. Bobby Boucher's yes. inner life. That's what we've got to do. Yes, we do, and we treat this like it's a um, we well we treat it like it's you know game day. We gotta bring our A game. Oh my god, I'm so angry right now. What? I am so angry. What's your pick for the 2000s? Let's see what we got. What what happened? The 2000s, which I I have issues with this cluster of movies to begin with, but down here at the bottom with zero votes, Gridiron Gang, 
trash. Saw it in the theater because we couldn't get into another R-rated movie that was playing the same weekend or something. I can't remember what it would have been. Okay. Invincible. Eh. His name is Vince from Polly. It's, you know. The Replacements. No votes. What the hell is wrong with you people? I know. What the hell? I now, I, I didn't vote for it, but I hope that some people would. Right. Again, I can the keep remake, this open for a week if you want. The re- maybe this is us checking in because... Yeah, this is just us checking in. Because so right I really now, hope the, this doesn't stand. Okay. Currently... The frontrunner's the water one, boy. The frontrunner's the water boy for the, the 90s. 90s. Okay, now, back to the 2000s. We got one vote for the remake of The Longest Yard. Two votes for Friday Night Lights. And three votes... For remember the fucking titans <coughs> we'll hey, do noah whatever noah, the community demands noah attitude reflects <laughs> leadership captain okay but we may never do a poll ever again if i end up having to, of the cluster of movies we just gave you everybody knows it should be jerry Maguire and friday night lights or friday night lights in any given sunday that's just that's just simple math, okay? Okay. But you people are gonna try and make us do the Disneyfied great movie, but hasn't aged spectacularly well. Remember the Titans? I've also seen it a billion times. Yes, like, do you I had want... to. Yeah, it's it was a staple for our private school upbringing. Percent. Yeah. I'm I'm excited. We're gonna. I mean, you got I, Bill ex- Patton. You got you got Denzel. I do love Will you got Ryan Hurst, no? Well, we'll see if it holds. If you uh, want to change things up, or if you want to, if you want to bring a little more grit to the table, mm-hmm. um, let's get those Friday Night Lights votes up there, people. Okay. Um, and if you want to go also gritty in the '90s, let's get. The, we've never done a Stone movie. I'm always in the mood to do Pacino, and we haven't gotten to talk like some Jamie Foxx since Miami Vice, baby. Like. Because you won't watch Sleepless, baby. Well, you... Garbage crime, baby. You can't break your 10-year rule. I still can once before the year is over. Right. You already did. You already used it on Dennis. Yeah, but like, you could have watched it in all the new stuff you watched. It's a, it's a new movie to you. You still haven't watched Lockout. So what We're am I even talking all, about? I created a whole limited series just to do Lockout with you. We talked about this last time. When are we doing this? <coughs> are we Either doing- November... Or next year, whatever you want to do. The sooner the better. It's going to be a one-month thing. Okay. Four Carpenter remakes. Oh, yeah. Remember? Yeah. We'll do Assault on Precinct 13, which is great. The Fog, which is terrible. Uh, The Thang prequel, which I need to reassess. Okay. And we'll end it with... What did I just say? Lockout. With Lockout. But apparently now you're telling me there's another one with Nick Cage coming out that's the same thing. Well, no. We're going to let Lockout count for the okay part. And we're going to do Prisoners of the Ghostland just because we want to do it. Right. Right? That's what I'm saying. You could have done okay. Sleepless if you really how wanted to do we, Jamie Foxx. How, how do we do three hours? I don't know. We didn't even have two movies to discuss. No, go we had bed. thousands of movies to discuss. I gotta go to bed, man. I'm sure you do. I, I still got to drive home. It's 2 a.m. I gotta fucking edit an episode. Yeah. I gotta get it up. Uh-huh. Maybe you guys you, don't need to hear this. Maybe right. you take your laptop and your fancy digs where you're record, you're driving around. I'm people. so hungry. I'm starving. Yeah, me too. Let me go eat something. Okay, good. All right. 
Till next time, I've been Noah. I've been Gavin. We've been the Blanchard Brothers, and we're going to get out of here. We'll see you for... Go vote. Yeah, like yeah go vote on Facebook, to be Facebook. clear. Yeah. Unless you're in a state where there's voting right now. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why you, what yeah. you'd be voting for. But go, if you do, Go follow vote Gavin, Bla- Gavin with, Blanchard on Facebook. Heart. Jump in on that poll. Let us know what football movies we vote should do. with your heart. Yeah. Clear, clear eyes, full hearts, hearts can't, can't lose. lose.